How did that conversation start? I don't know. Josh asked me if I liked anything that didn't have sugar. It wasn't sugar. Oh, yeah. No. Back to answer, no. No, I don't. Not at all. You like milk? Well, I have sugar. But oh, like see, milk. I guess, yeah, well, d- yeah, it's got a little milk bit Milk is loaded it. with sugar, too. Is it? I've never That's noticed. why it tastes so goddamn good. Yeah. Dude, yeah, lactose is, so uh, is milk sugar. Like fructose oh, is fruit sugar. That. You learn something new every day. Yeah. That's what'll make you go poop. Yeah. It does. <laughs> and unfortunately, dude, I wish a gallon of milk lasted more than a day in this house. God damn, dude. Not. So are you just drinking <laughs> soda and milk? <laughs> That's it. Just those two things. <laughs> those are the only two things that I drink uh, other than sweet tea. Yeah. Dude, who the oh, fuck shit. are you? You're Dylan. You're a well, little Dylan, huh? I should say. You're, oh. You're, <laughs> dude, but honestly. That's all that motherfucker drinks. I could probably, like, on a, if I really had to, I think I could give up caffeine, but I think milk is like the number one thing that I could not live without. I couldn't do it. I need that, that blows shit. my fucking Milk mind. is so fucking good, man. Yeah, what? I got fucking blasted the other night and went in the kitchen and just started downing a gallon and realized I drank like a fourth of a gallon in one fucking sitting. And I was like, oh shit, I'm going to keep going. I really Shit's hope. good, man. Like, are you, there's no, like, I feel like people think they're not and then they don't realize that they are in some degree. But like, are you lactose intolerant at all? No. Okay. No. I mean, not that I know of. Right. I just fucking, my stomach's just always fucked up from all the other awful shit I put in my body on well, a daily with basis. with how much you drink milk, dude, I don't know. <laughs> I He's like, I don't know, man. That might be a leading cause. Yeah. <laughs> you might think it's the soda, and that might not help and stuff like that, but if you're shitting your brains out every day, you might want to look into uh, lactose. Because <laughs> I eat a lot of really? spicy shit, too. Like, yeah, pretty just much like all your fucking whole, day like, Do you ever have a solid poop? <laughs> definitely doesn't. It's been a few years, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> Never had somebody just outright ask me about my poop that wasn't a, a medical professional. So, oh, I'm I'm a kind of medical professional. Oh, really? Yeah. The Facebook doctor? Yeah, the made up kind. Yeah, yeah. You read one article on Google and you're like, I know what causes Dude, cancer. I, with how much I Google my bodily issues, I could have a uh, like almost a PhD. See, I'm too scared to do that every time I'm sick with anything or hurting with anything because I'm always going to assume the worst case scenario. Even though I'm usually probably just like a fucking head cold. I just need to go to sleep and I'll be fine. <laughs> right, you're looking up a, a minor scratchy throat and you go, you skip strep throat and you go straight to stage four lung cancer. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> hey, Josh, I'm done. Okay, okay, good. Just, we've been waiting on you the whole time, really. Okay. Oh, oh, is that right? Oh, I thought he was talking to me. My bad. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll go in three. We've just been waiting on you. Tell us, shut the fuck up. Two. One. Listening to Unthink 
Pixels, the one and only official video game podcast of Culture Pop. We have quite a show for you today. Uh, it has been 80,000 years since, uh, you know, we've had a chance to um, actually all get together and uh, and have a, a regular episode. So, in that... Uh, what should I call it? Um, in the spirit of that, I guess? I don't know. Uh, we uh, will uh, have our first catch-up episode in, in quite a while. Um, yeah, we're going to talk about all the games we've been playing, all the uh, things we've been doing. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm, uh, I'm dying over here of uh, thirst and brain cells. So, I am, of course, your host, the one and only Bebop man, Josh Mullen, and I am joined, as almost always, by my two co-hosts, Dylan James Webb Martin and Austin Hubble Stevens. <laughs> How's it going today, fellas? So Just good. great. Uh, Dandy. I feel like we're all on the cusp of just extreme exhaustion, tiredness, fatigue. Usually. I mean, that's, that's usually how God. my life is going. Josh trying to give up beer. Have Austin, who's probably lactose intolerant. <laughs> <laughs> you got me. I mean, it's just, it, me. I'm, I'm on the cusp of disaster over here, Josh. Don't be Probably on the cusp all. of disaster. <clears throat> okay. Don't do that. All right. I just <laughs> won't. <laughs> he said cured. Thanks. <laughs> I'm glad that I could do that for you. Yep. <laughs> the first person in my life to tell me to just get over it, and it actually worked. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, boys. So, um, you know, <laughs> how have you motherfuckers been doing? Uh, Austin, you, yes. you've been dead for a while, so I tell us how you've been doing. I've just been vibing, man. I'm just here, you know, <laughs> just going through the motions of the day. Every day's the same. Every day he's hustling. Every day I'm doing he something. be hustling. I don't know if it's or that. Or is it shuffling? It might I think he's shuffling. shuffling. I don't think that he's... I mean, he is Austin. He doesn't do much of anything besides play Pokemon and drink Coke. That is true. <laughs> What's your favorite soda? My favorite soda, just uh, Coke. Oh, just really? Okay. Yeah, dude, like a fucking a good fountain Coke from somewhere. God, love it. Like Chick Fil A. Okay. I don't know what Chick Fil A does to their fucking fountain drinks, but Chick Fil A's fountain Coke is on another level, and it's fucking delicious. I will say, back when I drink soda, I think I would be right there with you. I think I, I would take a Coke over What the fuck they do else. to that? Zaxby's yeah. has, has pretty good fountain Coke too. Yo, put anything in a Zaxby's ice. I'll take oh, it. Oh, yeah. It's the, it's immediately wonderful for no yeah. reason. It's like five-star ice. There's no logical explanation for that. It just is. Right. But now you drop some good old water in it. It's just as good, too, if you believe that or not. <laughs> it, you're right. Yeah, drink is. some water, you fucking animal. I drink water at work. Let me I ask you don't. something. You, I yeah, well, did you just say you need to? <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> I'd probably die if I fucking don't. 
Yeah, it's true, man. Don't you work in like 110 degree yeah, temps? Yeah, I do. Yeah, drink do. drink some water. I swear to God, if you tell me you drink milk at work, I'm gonna be really <laughs> upset. So he I does. did that. I did that once. I fucking I don't know why I. This was like the first couple of months of me working there. Uh, I and it, when I started there, it was in the winter, so like it really wasn't all that bad because it's the kind of warehouse where the temperature inside reflects whatever the fuck's going on outside. Okay. Um, and so it really wasn't that bad, but then it kind of started to get a little warm and then it kind of started to get a little hot and I don't know why the fuck I thought it would be a good idea to take a coffee cup. Didn't have Aww. fucking coffee in it. It was fucking chocolate milk. I like woke up that morning <laughs> and I was like, yo, chocolate milk sounds fucking lit. I'm gonna, fucking cause, cause I, I have to drink something as soon as I wake up because every morning I wake up, my throat is just like, I, it's cause I sleep with my mouth open. So my throat's just raw and agitated as fuck. So I have to drink something, and it's usually some form of milk. I miss what's going on. Uh, I can't, dude. Because this is like, first off, you just doubled down and made it chocolate milk. Yeah, no, I did This is like that Tom Segura and Burt Kreischer moment where... Like, Burt Kreischer has this 64-ounce water bottle, and he's drinking Kool-Aid out of it. (laughs) So people see Austin, and they're like, oh, yeah, he's just getting his start to the day with his morning coffee. (laughs) It's fucking chocolate milk. It's just fucking Nesquik chocolate milk. Oh, it's not even good shit. It's fucking nasty. Oh, oh bro, fucking... fuck you. That's the best chocolate milk. Eat my ass. No, uh, shut your eat mouth. Eat my entire ass. <laughs> oh, my God. This guy doesn't even have good taste in milk. What die on Oh, bro, we got to go. We got to go uh, Borden's chocolate milk. Oh, Borden's is the Borden's fucking is titties, dude. Yeah, Borden's yeah. is good. Dude, uh, Austin, I bet you fucking drink <laughs> Yahoo, don't you, you motherfucker? No. Why would I drink chocolate fucking water? <laughs> if I'm not going to drink regular water, what the fuck makes you think I'm drinking chocolate water? <laughs> you, I, I said Yahoo. Now. I meant to say Yoohoo. Dude, fucking Yoohoo is the worst it's fucking so shit, gross. man. It's Why so is it nasty. lumpy sometimes? That doesn't make sense. <laughs> Why does it have clumps in it? They're like, I don't. That doesn't make any fucking my, sense, dude. As soon as you said "yoohoo," like I was like, "Yeah, that's what it would take to get him to drink water." Little did Madison know she has three kids. <laughs> Jesus fucking oh. Christ. <laughs> But yeah, I was just drinking chocolate milk and it in that heat, bro, that shit tore my stomach up. That sh- this shit was cramping. Oh, God. oh that was awful. <laughs> we'll never do that again. Have you ever put uh and this is a genuine question because I've seen people do it, they're <laughs> monsters. Have you ever put ice in your milk? Uh <laughs> so yeah, I did that when I was ass. a kid. Be- I did that when I was a kid because my mom did it. Yeah, and then I got the older and I people. was like, damn, this is fucking gross. Why do people yeah. do this? Look, I, just random question: Is your mom also the type to just straight up drink buttermilk? Uh, well, she uses a lot of racial slurs, so I'm gonna say yes. Oh <laughs> my god! So I'm gonna say yeah. I think she it's does. It's just actually. amazing how much sense that made. <laughs> he said, "You know what? Now that I think about it, the only people I've seen do that are racist. So yeah. that kind of tracks. It tracks so well. That's really unfortunate." <laughs> 
Yeah. Josh, to answer your question, I'm good. <laughs> good. I'm, I'm, I'm glad. <laughs> That's the case. Oh, God. Bless America. <clears throat> it needs it. It's true. You're you're not wrong. (laughs) We need something, bro. We're dying over here. Jesus. Well, um, you know, stuff and things, man. Stuff and things. We've all done some shit. (laughs) We've all done things. Take that how you want it. (laughs) We, boy, have we done things. Yes, that's true. Who's going first? Uh. You know what? It looks like I have the most, so I'll go first. Okay. Um, I want to talk one? about... Okay. Yeah, go, go ahead. <laughs> okay. You tell me I, what I should talk about. So I've had on my to-watch list on HBO for a very long time the Tony Hawk documentary you have on there. Like, mm-hmm. I've had it on there for, like, six months. So I've been very curious how you how you liked it. Okay. I haven't even watched it yet. <coughs> oh, it's me. never mind. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do have good question. news. I'm starting to watch more stuff recently. Like, I'm making time for it. But uh, this one, mean? usually when I switch on HBO, we're watching a movie or something. But this is still on my watch list. I feel bad. Yeah, okay. Well, um, yeah. I watched Tony Hawk Until the Wheels Fall Off. <clears throat> and um, I had an absolute blast with this movie um so it kind of goes through uh tony hawk's whole life up to kind of like modern day and uh talks a lot about um kind of like his youth and how he got into skating and like where it it doesn't really until the final probably like 30 minutes or so get into where he was where he became like like the phenom you know the like the tony hawk pro skater tony hawk um and uh one thing that i just was genuinely very um i I guess astonished by maybe that's not um the correct way to to put it uh but it was one of the things that um like i was really like drawn to was the fact that this was i think i've said it before but like documentaries are not in any way shape or form meant to tell the truth like documentaries are made to tell stories and they have a point of view and they tell you what that point of view is. Um, there are some that are more objective than others, uh, but none of them are strictly objective. They're all subject to someone's point of view. Like it just, they're not objective. They're not like literal depictions of stories. Right. Um, and something that I really enjoyed about this one is that it didn't, this was one of the ones that I felt like was a little bit more a portrait of someone's life as opposed to like, 
um, trying to sell you on who Tony Hawk was, if that makes sense. Like, it wasn't trying to tell you that Tony Hawk was this incredible person who maybe did a couple of bad things, you know, that he really regrets or whatever. It really gets into him and his personality and uh, kind of what drives him and kind of what drives all the skaters who are still doing it. You know, people like uh, Rodney Mullen and um, I'm, I'm forgetting some of the other people that they interviewed, but like some of those dudes are still fucking doing it, right? And they're all doing it because they're broken people and they feel a need to kind of like prove themselves and they have an obsession with being the best and like it really kind of gets into how that obsession with being the best and and how tony was kind of like uh, I, I don't want to say broken, but, you know, for lack of a better term, broken, uh, how that led him to being, in my mind, the fucking best skater that has ever, you know, done the game. Like, I, I know that that's probably controversial, and I, I know that someone out there has definitely got a different opinion than I do, but, like, when I think about the people who I have always kind of respected and always have thought, like, oh, this dude does a great job of, like, quite a number of things. Uh, it's that... It, it's Tony. It's it's Tony Hawk, right? Um, and to kind of, like, learn, I guess, that, like... He not only was, like, quote-unquote the best, like, out there doing it, but, like the fact that he actually did kind of like change the sport in some ways. Like when it, it got into a little bit of this near the, the towards kind of the beginning where like the reason that he, you know, people talk about him doing the 900 and like all of this stuff. Like the thing was, is he had to do the tricks that he did in order to stand out. Like if he didn't, he was going to lose the competitions that he was doing because he wasn't big enough and he wasn't strong enough to compete with these people who were, you know, complete masters of what it was that they were doing. Um, which actually also, uh, weirdly enough was, uh, you know, people kind of like recognize him as like being one of those dudes who would like wear all the padding and the helmets and stuff like that. He had to do that because he was so tiny like I, something that never would have occurred to me ever. Um, but yeah, like I loved this. It really taught me a lot about like what skating was in like the late seventies and early eighties and how it came to be what it was. Uh, like I genuinely in, I, 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 had never really I guess gotten into it but like I had never really thought about the fact that there was any sort of downtime in uh in skating because for me it was just always there like I grew up during the time of the x games and there wasn't really a crash like it maybe lessened in popularity like a little bit 
you know, after I got out of maybe like, I don't know, middle school or high school. But even then, like the fact that it like, quote unquote, lessened in popularity was kind of like barely existent. Like it was such a small downturn in like, uh, in its popularity that like, I didn't notice it. It was like almost imperceptible. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I loved this doc. Uh, it taught me a lot about skating. It taught me a lot about Tony Hawk. And I think that it is, uh, probably my favorite, third favorite movie of the year so far. Oh shit. Okay. No, that's why I want, I dude, I, I'm not going to say he is, the sole reason I got into skating when I was younger, but he was a huge, um, I guess just component in the formula that eventually got me to try out skating and fall in love with it. Like I did a presentation on him doing the 900 and you know, all that stuff. He's just a huge part of that history. And I've, like I said, I've been really looking forward to watching it. I just haven't. I, I highly recommend it. It's my favorite documentary that I've seen since maybe, uh, maybe blackfish. That's good, man. Like that's, sure. and that, what you what you say, Austin? Oh, nothing. Go on. <laughs> I thought you said something, dude. No. <laughs> I didn't. Um, no, that's. I mean, it could be what I watch next because we. Uh, I just got Sabrina to sit down and watch another documentary, which, <clears throat> um, I guess I can flow into talking about it. But we're, we're on this movie watching kick. There are things that we did in the past uh, a little bit, right? Since we've done like a true episode where we've just sat down and talked about stuff. Um, like we watched all the Fantastic Beasts movies. Like I'm not going to talk about that. It is what it is. I finished Stranger Things, you know. Um, yeah, let me let me ask you about that real quick because it was originally on the docket for this and I feel like we would be remiss without at least bringing it up. Um. Okay. How did you feel about part two of season four? Like, just as an overall, like, <clears throat> thing. I, I mean, I 100% loved it. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, okay. <laughs> we had a fucking blast with it. Um, <clears throat> this, I know how it sounds when I say this, but I kind of like it more than season one like season four as a whole like all together um i know a lot of people disagree and that's fine like season one definitely i mean maybe they're just tied right because season one does something and like that season four doesn't season four does something season one doesn't do but um we had a good time with it dude like i i love eddie's character development i like how it sets up for season five I like that the threat now seems, you know, the threat through uh, season four didn't, it's not that it didn't seem dire because it did. And it seemed like literally, and no pun intended, but the clock was ticking, you know, before something just went horribly, horribly wrong. Um, So there was always this feeling of pressure um, on, on the, on the different groups or whatever. But 
by the end of season four, then it was like, oh shit. <laughs> it's like, there's, there's no more clock ticking. It's here. The hour is upon us. I'm really curious to see how it sets up in the coming years, you know, uh, with w what comes next essentially. But dude, I, I think there's so much left to be discovered. I think that, um, without spoilers, I think that we'll see more of someone who died. I, I, I don't think that that person's story is over, but dude, I had, I had a fucking blast with the volume two, like volume two was the icing on the cake. Like I, had such a good time with the dude and it being what w the one was like two hours long it didn't feel like that to me dude like i blinked and it was over it's like i was salivating for more by the end of it <clears throat> okay i mean yeah i think uh i think that the um the uh the take that nearly everyone else has is um is the one that uh, I have as well. I, I I loved the second part, but I also was very much, I guess, expecting... Um, I don't want to say something different, but I was definitely expecting... Um, I was expecting more character development that I didn't get. Um, like, you pointed out, you know, Eddie's character development, and I thought that was 100%, like, on on the... Like, how do I want to put this? Uh, I, I thought that his character development was, like, the best thing that, that the show had done, like, maybe ever. Um, I, I loved Robin in the last season, but, uh, like Eddie spoke to me on a completely different level. Yeah. Um, and, uh, uh, his character development just, uh, fucking, I don't know. Like I was just, I was sold entirely on him the entire fucking season. And, uh, yeah. So I, hundred percent understand uh why you loved it but i had some very real problems i thought the pacing was way off i thought that they didn't answer some of the questions that they needed to answer i i really felt like the shit with fucking hopper and joyce did not have a satisfying conclusion and it just kind of felt like they were there for the sake of being there um yeah the, i feel like their storyline probably was the weakest out of the entire just season four in general yeah so uh overall very good uh yeah. i am not dissatisfied at all uh i do wish there was more but you know yeah no like entertainment value for me was through the roof and i think <clears throat> i guess it's easy for me to like look past some of the nitpicks i did have with it like the joyce and hopper thing like you're right it was the weakest 100 percent um, but at the, like, oh, mild spoilers, but at the end of it all, it's like, I think I was so overwhelmed with, like, joy at everyone being reunited, and I was, I don't know, it kind of swept every, like, it's really easy for me as a person to overlook stuff like that, like, the nitpicks I had, like, 
the storyline up until that point was weak, but oh, we have a happy ending and father and daughter, are, you know, <laughs> they're back together. And <laughs> I was, I was just, you know, jubilant with that. But, um, yeah, no, it, it did have its problems, but goddamn, dude, it was such a fun ride. Yeah, totally fair, totally fair. And that's that, oh, the fucking solo, dude. The concert of all concerts, man. It was, oh, God, chills just thinking about it. I love it. The concert Austin, have you watched any more Stranger Things? No. Are you, Austin, are you going to watch more Stranger Things? No. Austin, is Madison finished Stranger Things? I think so. Okay. She <laughs> <laughs> enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean it's great, dude. I'm actually shocked you you didn't get too into it. I don't know. I might give it another shot. It's like That's a live action cool. anime. Is it kind of? Yeah, <laughs> sci-fi. In anime. a way, yeah. Yeah. Well, there, now you there, my There's like tentacles and shit in it too. Oh, okay. Now we're really <laughs> all right. Uh, I'm not even kidding. I'm speaking my language. <laughs> all right. And then yeah. So. I was just gonna say, so um, you uh, you watched a documentary though. You were leading into that, and I cut you yeah. off to talk about. I did. No, it's fine. It's fine because I'm glad we because we did. I think reference that in the last episode, the Stranger Things thing. Um, Stranger Things thing. Um, anyway, watched the documentary, and actually, we watched it relatively recently, within the past 24 hours. Um, it is called Eddie Colon Strongman, Eddie Strongman, and. Um, you guys know, like I've spoken about it over the past few months, like this is just kind of what I've dived into a little bit, like just overall like strength and conditioning training, stuff like that stuff to Josh, before we were recording, even we were talking about just making positive (coughs) health choices in our lives. And this is, this has been mine. It's just. I was in a really bad place mentally, still kind of am, but one thing that's holding it together is being able to go and kind of work on my physical health, and in turn, that helps my mental health. And uh, this guy, Eddie Hall, has actually been a huge part of that. Just like he's someone that I've started to not necessarily look up to, but just take inspiration from, I guess. Um, Josh, if I could put his on-screen persona into a definition it would almost be like someone stepped out of the attitude era from the wwe oh yeah yeah right but he's he's like a very like almost overconfident person um very headstrong and he he has that kind of attitude era mentality a little bit but getting to go through this documentary. So this documentary actually takes place before a lot of what I would consider him to be great for now. Um, this was recorded in, I think, 20, 2015, or it came out in 2015. So this was still very much early into his career, or maybe at the halfway point, Like because if they even made a documentary in the first place, he would have to be taking steps to greatness in some regard. Um, and I think... I think this is a good middle point for him. It's good to know where I know him from now and then go back and watch this part and know what's coming for him. Um, The documentary starts off and it kind of just, it's talking about his everyday life and, you know, just he, he's this 
gigantic guy. Like right, he's an inch shorter than me, but he he weighs just as much as me. He's like six three, and just at the time of recording this, he was like four hundred pounds of just strength. Um, but he has the you know just normal guy has a like a ten hour a day mechanic job, and after he gets off the me- uh, off the mechanics job, he goes straight to the gym and he trains, and he his ambition is to be the world's strongest man. Um, and I got to say, like, throughout the entire documentary, what it shows most of all aren't his successes. It's more of his failures. Um, and I think ultimately, like, that's something that's more important to see from these guys. And I say these guys because it's not just for the most part, it's Eddie. He's the one narrating. He's the one that we get to see this story unfold with. But you have these other guys that are like, if you know the strong man scene at all, like these are common names like Brian Shaw or Half Thor, um, you know, stuff like that. And he, these guys take part in this documentary as well. And you <coughs> get to see what their um, lives are like, what their thoughts are like, but y- you get to see a lot of how much Eddie truly struggled. And he, they go, he, he, he goes back and he talks like, you know, from a childhood perspective, like he wasn't really into strength training when he was younger. His mom was a swimming coach. So you got to, he talked a lot about his like swimming. He had swimming accolades. And like they were saying that even back then when he was in swimming, they would pour himself into it. Um, but around the age of 13, like this is where it kind of hit me a little bit. He was diagnosed with depression. He had anxiety. And this was something that was critical for him. And I was watching this and you could actively see him getting choked up. Just it's almost like he was reliving it as you were watching him. And that's something that hit me because it's something that I I deal with today. Like I mean, it's something I'm dealing with right now. Um <clears throat> so getting to see that like this big strong giant that I, you know, take inspiration from, he has those same struggles. He has those same woes, and he's he's not afraid to cry on camera. He inevitably does. He actually uh, goes into talking about his family. The number one thing for him in his life is always his family. Um, and, you know, I, I mentioned that he had a lot of failures. He had a lot of struggles and woes and stuff like that. He... he spent a lot of time away from his family as in the first couple of years of his newborn child's life, um, a lot of time away from his wife. And it's like in his head, he's the kind of guy that's like, he, he knew that inevitably it would pay off one day. It would all, you know, culminate into something great, but he goes in to acknowledge that for a couple of years there, he was kind of, he was a bad father and a bad husband. And he, as he's saying this, like he just breaks down, like he just starts crying because his wife is a part of the documentary as well. And sh- you can see the affection, the love, the support, but also it's like you, you know that she's had a hard life too, because she has to not only watch her, the love of her life, like put himself through hell, literally like what these guys have to do and train and to accomplish the things to do. It's crazy. But you know, that takes a lot of time too. And it takes you away from your family. And just, I can't imagine the struggle that put on their relationship, but he completely owns it. Um, and he's not afraid to not only advocate for mental health, but like show that it's okay. Like, you know, 
you can you can I'm I'm not the physical embodiment of perfection like it's just like he has struggles man and I'm glad that it shows that um but it also like beyond that it showed like I said it shows what they go through it shows what they have to do like if you guys don't know like these guys eat minimum minimum 10,000 calories a day um and it, it it that's not easy like they even talk about how sickening it is to have to wake up and eat like every two hours it's like we take that shit for granted like we don't think about like they're eating wake up and they eat a huge bowl of oatmeal two hours later can you imagine like after a huge bowl of oatmeal now you're eating a hefty like you're eating six eggs and some toast and then later on you're eating fucking some kind of meat and pasta like you you eat every two hours essentially like it's taxing dude <laughs> like yeah. that's that, that puts your body through a lot but also you wouldn't t- like these guys are big when you look at them they're huge but they're fucking muscle like yeah, they have some fat on them sure but you they're i mean their arms are ginormous their shoulders look like fucking mountain peaks surrounding their head like it's it's crazy um but they're eating this just crazy diet and they're sh- he's breaking down how much it costs just for him not even including his wife alex and his kids it's like he's not even including them it's a fucking pretty penny dude every week he's spending 250 quid which i don't know what that equates into us but if it's 100 anything it's not good <laughs> um but ultimately like it's it's just a really great ride it shows all of his trials and tribulations and like i said this is before his major accomplishment this is before like by the end of the the documentary he doesn't win world's strongest man yet like that's what his biggest ambition is is to win world's strongest man by the end of the the show like his biggest accomplishment that they wind up ending on is one of his uh, most powerful deadlifts like it was one of the happiest moments of his life like Arnold Schwarzenegger was there that's one of his biggest idols like he was cheering him on like it was this whole like whole huge thing and it was he got invited to try to lift 1,000 and two pounds or something it was like 1,000 something pounds I forget what it was but he actually wound up doing it and that's where the documentary ends but this is before he he went on to beat that world record again his highest deadlift ever is 1,102 pounds. That's incredible. And then he did eventually wind up to go on to beat World's Strongest Man um, in 2017, I think. So this is before all of that. And knowing him now, knowing what he's accomplished, and watching this, like all he talks about in this is wanting to become great, wanting to become something better. And it's like getting to watch that and know that today he is one of like the biggest names in entertainment in this regard like it's incredible it's heartwarming because he he has a fantastic very very uh like active youtube channel that he's always putting content out on he's got endorsements out the wazoo he's got his own personal gym he just stepped up into what's called the titan class of boxing where he and the other strong man I just talked about a second ago, Half Thor, they went head-to-head earlier, I think it was this year or last year, in a boxing match. Like So he's dropped all the strong man weight, and he's gone into – he's still heavy. I still think he's like 315 pounds, but now he's just like a different kind of athlete, right? And he's doing it to like 
I guess, better his own health. You know, he doesn't have to eat as much now. But it's just, it's just crazy to see the transformation. Like, I've talked about this guy before, but really great documentary. And like you were saying about the Tony Hawk thing, like, this one tells a story. It's, it's, it's doing a lot more than just talking about Eddie Hall, a really strong guy. It's talking about all of the things these guys go through, what, like, the different events they compete at this is a man's failures and overall like how he eventually winds up winning. It's a great, great documentary. Hell yeah. Oh, it's on Netflix. <clears throat> okay. I, that was literally what I was just about to ask. Yeah. It's on Netflix. It is very, very good. Hell yeah. I'll, Hell I'll yeah. definitely be checking that out. Um, Austin, <clears throat> what you yeah. got going on? Well, speaking of giant muscly men, uh, I went back and finally sat down and watched the 1993 uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure OVA. Uh, big beefy boys. Yeah, big old beefy boys. Uh, so this is kind of weird. So I, I I watched the whole thing, and it, it it it's essentially the same. Like it's it's just part three, uh, but it it's, the animation's not great, and I get it's like 1993. But still, it could have been a little, like, I don't know. I, st other stuff that came out that era were just a little bit better. Um, except when it got towards the end. When it got towards the end, to me, the animation quality, like, really fucking picks up. Like, you can kind of tell that's where most of that budget fucking went to. Um, but what was so weird about this is after I watched it, I, I was like, I wonder if there is anything else. And uh, I was, like, researching this OVA special, and... I, it, when they decided to release it, they only got clearance for, like, seven episodes, I think. And so they were like, okay, well, with seven episodes, we can only really do probably half of the full story of part three. So they were like, let's just do the second half because that's more interesting. <laughs> so <laughs> by the time, like, part three hits the halfway point, like, they're almost to Egypt. The entire plot of part oh three. Oh, my fucking God is Jotaro going from Japan to Egypt to finally put down Dio. And, like, by the time you hit the halfway point, they're almost there. So this series just picks up. Or, well, I mean, it didn't with me because I watched it like a normal person from the fucking start. But, like, when this was airing and first coming out, like, people were forced to watch it from the middle. And I can only imagine what was going through these people's brains. Because nothing is explained at that point. They, like, they had kind of, by the halfway point of the story, you're kind of expected to have a full grasp on mostly everything that's going on. So they do not explain a goddamn thing. So you're just thrust into this world just trying to grasp what's happening. And I, like, I wonder what people who watched that shit as it was airing originally thought. Were they like, wow, this is cool, but, like, what the fuck is happening? I, what the fuck is going on with the story of a bunch of dudes... A bunch of beefed up, roided looking fucking dudes summoning ghosts. Um, and apparently there was also a lot of controversy behind this. Uh, it didn't get localized and dubbed, which I will say the dub is surprisingly really fucking good. Uh, partly because it didn't get dubbed until like 2006. Uh, but it, it kind of, like it feels weird because I'm watching it and I'm like, wow, the dub is really good. But the animation doesn't really feel like it's matching in quality. And it's, it's kind of a rough watch at that point. Um, but there was a big, they, they had to halt the localization of this because, um, there was a religious group in Egypt 
that I had made some kind of, was like trying to take some kind of legal action against Araki and the animation studio uh, because there were, there was a scene depicting Dio in his quarters uh, reading what looked like torn out pages of the Quran and they found that extremely offensive. Um, during the climactic battle between Jotaro and Dio, uh, there was also what looked to be a, a mosque like get destroyed. Uh, they're like knocking each other through walls. I'm pretty sure at one point Jotaro literally just picks up an entire section of this fucking mosque and throws it across the city. Uh, they, didn't, they didn't like that either, uh, which actually uh, kind of forced Araki to go back and, and redraw those scenes. And then with the animation studio, they had when it was being localized, they, all that shit just had to be cut and replaced in general. Um, and I found that really strange. I don't, I just, I don't like. I mean, maybe because I, I, I don't affiliate with that religion, I don't really understand how it's offensive. I mean, I guess I could see how it would be offensive. Uh, I mean, it's the same thing as, like, well... Because, like, don't Christians also think it's offensive? Well, I'm sure to any religion it's offensive to rip out pages of a religious text. Uh, yeah, I mean, that that's the thing. is like, anybody within a given religion is going to find fault in something that, like... <clears throat> even has a passing sort of like uh i don't know appearance i don't know like yeah. resemblance there we go to to like their religion like it, mm -hmm. it's very like you get tied up in your own like uh ways of thinking so i don't know it's just okay. it's fucking dumb like if you're uh, well, we won't go into it yeah, that's a good idea. Um, uh, also, apparently the same studio animated a, a movie in 2007 that was strictly part one. Which, I mean, I can see how part one is so short that it could be condensed in like an hour and a half film pretty easily. Uh, but <laughs> that movie did so bad, it's never been released outside of its original like two-week theatrical run. It was, ne it was never uploaded anywhere... It was never distributed, so it's like a lost piece of media, and I thought that shit was pretty cool. You can find, like, two, three-minute-long clips of it on YouTube, but it, there's literally nowhere to find the entire thing anymore. Mm. Weird. It must have been just really fucking... I know, uh, from what I read, a lot of people really fucking hated it. Well, I mean... It's... A part one of... Of uh, I hate saying Jojo. this. Part one of part three. <laughs> uh, yeah, it is. Uh, I I don't want to say it's slow. I love part three, but it does take a little bit of time to get into what ultimately ends up being the the central conflict. Mm -hmm. So I I guess that's understandable. Like they're like, oh, this part's boring. I don't think it's boring, but you know, I I could see. Yeah, it's got yeah. Part three has a little bit of a slow start because I the be except for Jotaro, there's lots of cool Jotaro moments, but like you don't really nobody else really does anything until like halfway through the fucking story. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> but I don't know. Well, that's cool, or I guess you'll be all right. <laughs> I'm glad I watched it. I won't ever watch it again. Mm, yeah. But I'm glad I watched it once. Now I gotta fucking sit down and watch the live action movie. 
Oh, there's a live action. Whoa, there's the live action JoJo movie. There is. Uh, it's uh, part four, Josh. Oh. I just need to see characters right now. I, I've watched clips of it, and I like honestly, I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's good, but I definitely don't think it's bad. I think some of the CGI could be a lot better, but as far as like character designs and like the overall world of the movie or like aesthetic of the movie, I kind of fuck with it. Yeah, but are they all like stupidly ripped and stuff like that? No, part f- uh, when Araki started doing part four, he went through a drastic art style change. Nobody looks gotcha. like that anymore. They're all like pencil thin and like fucking like, size zero <laughs> waist now. Okay. It's weird. Yeah. Even the previously established characters that were muscular turned pencil thin out of nowhere. So, yeah, it's no longer beefy boys doing beefy things. <laughs> it's just that's why I just wanted to see the live action version of that. I thought that would be hilarious. Yeah. Uh, I need to. See. It's on Amazon Prime. I just haven't sat down and watched it yet. What are the What are the stands look like? I mean, they look like they they look exactly like they do in the show and the manga. It's just the CGI is just kind of rough in some spots. Oh. Uh, I certain stands are done much better than others. Oh, like Josuke's stand, like Shining Diamond and Star Platinum look fucking rad. But everyone else is not so fucking much. It sounds like Pokemon. It does sound like, like Pokemon, doesn't it? <laughs> yes. uh, yeah, all the stand names in JoJo are music references. They are. Yep. There's a lot of fucking music stuff going on in JoJo. And it sucks because when fucking when when the anime gets localized, they have to fucking change all of them. Yeah. They don't keep a single one. They have to change all of them. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, I don't know if I'll be checking that out, but, uh, you know, hey, yeah. that's the thing. That's the thing yep. that you did. It exists. If it's if that's for you, it's there somewhere. <laughs> All right. Uh, so I've been on a little bit of a horror kick recently, and uh, I saw The Black Phone in theaters. Uh, so this had been out about... I want to say about three weeks, maybe a month, uh, before I finally got to see it. I don't know why that ended up being the case, but, you know, whatever. Um, So this is the new movie from Scott Derrickson. Uh, This was actually the project that Scott Derrickson uh, left Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness to go to. Um, And, uh, yeah, so this is kind of... Uh, it takes place in, I, I want to say 1979. It's definitely late 70s, early 80s. I, I don't remember the exact year. But it's around the same time um, that, uh, I mean, I think we're, we're too young to kind of like have lived uh, these experiences. But we know about them, I guess, like tangentially through... Um, uh, through like our own lived experiences like i i know when i was growing up like that um uh stranger danger and like um like uh things of that nature like you're going to get kidnapped if you run away from me type thing like existed like my parents definitely told me that kind of shit when i was uh yep i had to have like a password like if you didn't know the password i couldn't go with you oh really Yep. Like, when I was, like, stupidly young, right? Like, it stopped when I was, like, 19, but before that, it was... 
I'm oh joking. wow! Okay, I'm joking. Okay. <laughs> Josh, Jesus Christ! I was about to fucking <laughs> say, man. Like I, I, like I had to deal with that shit too. But god damn, that's fucking. Mm. Uh, no, okay. no, it did. I was. It was uh. Probably up until like after after ten, I was fine. But before that, like I couldn't go. But they also pretty much instilled the same thing too like if you step away from me you will be abducted <laughs> yeah <laughs> type of thing yeah it was uh well uh i guess the whole the the whole reason i even bring that up is because uh it was like during the late 70s and early 80s when you had people like um do you guys remember america's most wanted was that ever yeah okay yeah yeah, yeah. so the guy who hosted that his name is john walsh and uh the reason that that all started was because his kid got abducted and murdered yeah uh when he was god i don't know probably in his like 30s or 40s and the uh and the um the john walsh guy kind of was like uh well i don't want this to ever happen again and so like he started like a whole like there was so fucking much um like stuff that he did like there was a a whole program that he created. Um, and then he, he hosted the America's most wanted, which I think was his creation again. And, uh, yeah, just a whole bunch of stuff. But, um, anyway, the, the whole point is it, it kind of feeds into that sort of, uh, that, that sort of thing, the whole like stranger danger, like, you know, I don't know what else to call it really. Um, but, Anyway, uh, and it uh, it takes place in the seventies, and um, there is a, a a kid who like he's had his uh, his friends kind of go missing, and uh, it ends up where he is abducted, and Ethan Hawke is the guy who plays the villain, and. Um, I I said this to Kayla after we left the theaters and I really liked this movie. I thought that it plays a lot of things really, I, I don't want to say close to the chest, uh, but it, it does things a lot more subtly than uh, you give, like a, like a lot of modern horror does. Like I feel like a lot of what modern horror is is just doing as many fucking like crazy gross out scares or as, as many crazy, uh, like, Ooh, this is super scary type things that they can do. Uh, and that, that stuff is really not necessary. It really is. I, I think very unnecessary. Um, I think that you can get away with, having very subtle like very subtle little um like horror moments that aren't even necessarily like supernatural or anything like that like i think that you can do stuff like what this movie does which is it focuses on a very real world like phobia that people i i think genuinely still have like i know that there's a uh like a sort of like a thing that has become i guess commonplace now with like 
sex trafficking and stuff like that. Um, where, like, parents are scared to let their kids go anywhere out of their sight. And rightfully so, um, in, in regards to, like, the stuff like the sex trafficking. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that what this movie really, really does well is when it gets into the, the sort of, like, how do I want to put it? Uh, the sort of subtle, like, mm, ways that, like, adults do wrong by kids. Like, the whole movie is kind of like, Ethan Hawke is an adult, and there's very clearly something wrong with him. And, I, honestly, my, my biggest complaint about this movie, if I had a level one at it, like, my absolute biggest complaint is that there's not enough Ethan Hawke. He's so fucking good in this. Like, I think he's a great actor in general, but, like, he's just astoundingly good in this. Um, and, uh, yeah, anyway. I, and I, I think that the, the central theme that I think that the movie is trying to go for, that, uh, um, that it wants to kind of, like, lead you, like, down is to kind of, like, be able to stand up for yourself, um, in the, in adverse situations, and I think that that's a, a, a good message for sure, but I, I ultimately, the thing that I took away from it, and the thing that I think that it, it says uh, maybe the most, and definitely the most effectively, is the sort of, like, pain that that adults inflict upon kids and how how kind of fucked up that is um and i i don't know there's there's one scene in this movie that like is maybe i i, I feel like maybe not some people wouldn't find it like it's it's not like a typical horror thing right like it like you would hear um like you, when you think of horror you think of shit like pennywise and like and freddy krueger and michael myers and shit like that you know what i'm saying and, and you think of like those types of scares and like the scariest thing in this movie to me was a scene near the beginning of the movie where the dad beats the sister of our main character and beats her with a belt. And I sat there and I wanted to avert my eyes. It, like, I that's not something that horror movies do to me. Like, I don't get that sort of, like... Um, f uh, fearful, I guess, from... from you know, fucking Freddy eating a girl like she's a pepperoni pizza. You know, I don't, I don't get that shit from fucking Jason just slicing bitches up. Like, that is not something that scares me. Um, but like, that really fucking got to me. That unsettled me. And I think there's that, and then mixed with the fact that you know, like, like I said, like you have Ethan Hawke who is an adult. And who, like I said, very clearly has something wrong with him. 
but he still is an adult and he's inflicting pain upon children. And that was my big takeaway. And I really think that this movie shines in its simplicity and it's sort of, uh, I mean, I don't want to say lack of scares, but like it, it almost feels way more like a, uh, like a, um, I don't want to say a psychological thriller because that, that always bothers me when people do that. Like, Horror is a valid genre, and it should get the respect that it fucking deserves. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It it felt different to me, and, and I really like that. Um, I don't think that it's necessarily the best horror movie that I've seen this year. That would probably still go to, I would think, Scream. Uh, but... I don't know. It was I. I really enjoyed it, and I was very, I was very happy that I uh, that I went to go to go see it. Yeah, it's it's on my to watch list when it comes out to stream, which I don't think will be anytime soon, considering it just came out in June. But it looks super good, and I love Ethan Hawke. Oh, he's so good in it, man. I'm telling yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah, I'm ready, man. Yeah. You think so? I see that I could, if I wanted to, pay 20 bucks, watch it on Amazon Prime. Is that real? Can I do that? Uh, Maybe. That is definitely possible. Because I would be willing... Because that's like... that's To me, that's like going to the theater, but I can just watch it here. Right, yeah. Uh, Which I would... It, maybe. I, I feel like I remember seeing something about, like, it was going on demand soon, but... Um, Fuck, dude. I might actually be able to buy it then. Just watch it digitally. Yeah. It's definitely a possibility. Yeah, and I, w- I would give it that kind of due as well because, like I said, it looked phenomenal, and then you talking about it right there, it's like I would have no problem paying for this. Yeah. Instead of just, like, traditionally streaming it, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. For sure, for sure. Yeah. Austin, I have a question for you. Yeah. Are you playing Stray right now? No. You're not? No. No, dude! I swear to God, I, think, I heard like a cat meowing well, I think, coming I think through your microphone. My fucking cats are going wild outside my door. <laughs> <laughs> oh my I god! Yeah, I I, I fucking heard that shit too, and I was like, "What is going on?" I, I think they're just fucking <laughs> fucking about like they always okay. do. I was like, "Austin's got a head start going on this uh, tournament winner right now, <laughs> right? probably." Oh, is it? Uh, oh. Where is it? Uh, is it currently? Oh, winning? if it's not at a hundred percent, I'd be fucking shocked. Yeah. Yeah. If you guys don't know, listening right now, the Q3 tournament is about to end. With I'm assuming Stray is gonna win a hundred percent to nothing. <laughs> I hope it's Stray. Dude, it's gonna be Stray. I can knock that shit out real quick. I'm already fucking in that bitch. Yeah. Yeah, it's still at a hundred. For me, I know voting is weird for like people who are like, I guess not the not the poll runner. Like, it still shows a hundred percent for me, but I'm sure Tawny threw a vote to Tunic. Yeah, he probably did just out of spite. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, "Fuck this!" Oh man. Who's next? Uh, yeah, who's next? Yeah, WWE. Did you just say WWE? Yeah, I think who's next is a thing. Right? Like, someone has a tagline of who's next, right? 
Oh, yeah, yeah, it's Goldberg. Okay, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I literally, Uh, for like half a second, had no fucking idea what you were talking about. Like, at all. Yeah, who's next? Yeah, Goldberg. There we go. Oh, boy. Uh, Who is next? uh, Let's go with... uh, Yeah, it looks like Austin has one more than you, so let's go to Austin. Yeah. What is that? I don't know. Let me pull up the talk again. I forgot. Um, yeah, so Chainsaw, Chainsaw Man Part 2. Why did I struggle to say that so fucking hard? Um, okay. <clears throat> yeah, Part 2 started about three weeks ago. I was going to... Uh, I wasn't going to talk about it at first. I was going to let a couple chapters build up to kind of see where the story's going. Um, but it still hasn't really gone any super meaningful direction yet. And I think we're like three or four chapters in. Um, but... It started off really fucking cool. Uh, the very first chapter of part two uh, has no Chainsaw Man at all, ex- uh, except for like a poster of him on the wall in this like rundown fucking city. Um, but it essentially uh, it started with this young girl who attends a local high school. I can't remember her name. Um, fuck, dude, what was it? I don't know. But anyway. And uh, she's kind of like a shut-in. She kind of doesn't really want to talk to anybody. And she kind of has this already, like, super weird hatred with um, the kind of monsters that kind of ravage this world called Devils. And uh, her class, uh, like, she's she's sitting in class one day and the teacher comes out and says, Hey, we have a uh, class pet. Uh, you guys are going to take care of it for a little while. Um, and it ends up being a devil that is shaped like a headless, uh, featherless chicken for some fucking reason. Um, but they're like, yeah, the teacher's like, yeah, you're going to take care of this, uh, for a month. And then at the end of the month, uh, you guys, whoever has an aspiration to become a devil hunter, uh, you guys are pretty much going to take this thing out back and fucking kill it. Um, so a month passes. And the class decides, hey, like, we, we, like, this guy, little guy's kind of cute. We don't really want to kill him. And the teacher was like, oh, joke's on you. That was the test all along for some fucking reason. I brought this monster into this classroom and expected you guys to not want to fucking murder it. Even though these things are responsible for the deaths of millions of people every fucking day. Um... And so the new girl that we're introduced to, she uh, she kind of s- starts to become friends with uh, one of the girls in her class who's like the student <clears throat> council president. They're all walking outside. They're going to enjoy a game of kickball or some shit. I don't know, something's going on. And um, she's carrying the devil, and she trips. And when she trips, she like he busts open. Like, his guts fly out. She fucking kills him. And the whole class is staring at her. They're like, oh, dude, what a bitch. Like, we just decided we weren't going to kill him, and you fucking did it anyway. So the whole class ends up hating her. It's like this big whole thing. Uh, The student council president and the teacher try to get her out, uh, invite her out one night, trying to kind of raise her spirits. And the student council president reveals that she is also a devil, and she's pissed because the teacher wants to fuck this student, even though she's already fucking the teacher, so she tries to kill this girl. (laughs) Yeah, it's wild. Uh, she goes to kill this this new main character that we're introduced to, and she, like, very gruesomely uh, chops, like, the top half of her head off. And she's, like, laying on the ground, like, fucking spazzing and bleeding to death. And a new devil uh, pops up around the corner and is like, hey, I can keep you alive if you want to make a sweet fucking deal with me. And, like, she's fucking dying at this point. So she's like, sure, fuck it. Why not? What could go wrong? Well, a lot could go wrong. 
Uh, this devil is called the War Devil, and his ability is to turn any organic matter that he touches into a essentially just a weapon. So he grabs the teacher, rips his spinal cord out, and it like shapeshifts into a sword that she uses to kill the student council president. And then at the end, she's sitting on a pile of corpses that she has obviously just fucking ran amok and started killing shit. And she announces uh, to, I guess, you know, to the readers that she is going to be the one to kill Chainsaw Man. And that's about as far as the story has gotten so far. And it's, it's just as fucking gross as it's always been. And I love that. Oh, beautiful. It is Dude. brutal, nasty, guts flying everywhere. They, like, his, like... I, I, I've i never read, like, a gory manga or, like, a gory comic book and, like, genuinely felt sick to my stomach, but Chainsaw Man has somehow managed to do that more than once. And I'm kind of, I'm kind of okay with it. All right, then. Uh, it's on my list. I'll be getting to it, uh, soon. Yeah, we'll we see. Yeah, it's it, it's on my list, but every time you talk about it, I'm like, why is it on my list? <laughs> it's like I don't want to read this gross, weird shit. Yeah, and then you fucking you put a little epilogue with it that says, "I've never been sick to my stomach until I read this." And I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, like it just kept getting worse. Yeah, uh, the throw up scene is wild, dude. I'm not yeah. excited to watch that shit get animated. Nothing like a little puking to get my uh, jimmies rustled. Oh, hey, yeah. Man, if, it, if it does it for you, you know, to eat your own. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, speaking of uh, sick to your stomach, um, I watched uh, I watched Nope this weekend. Uh, and the only reason that I say that isn't because it's bad. Uh, it's excellent. Uh, it's my second favorite movie of the year so far. Um, High praise. Yeah. Uh, I, I, this movie is fucking, it's awesome. Um, but no, I, I, I say that because there's one sequence in it that is, uh, horrifying. Like just, just horrifying. That's the only way I know to describe it. Um, and if you are if you are claustrophobic, uh, you will you will very likely feel very sick to your stomach. Um, yeah. Okay. So nope. Uh, nope is the new movie from uh, Jordan Peele. Uh, it is uh, as it has been advertised everywhere an alien invasion thriller. Uh, it really I think manages to strike the same sort of like uh, beautifully comedic uh, horror and um, uh, like comedy uh, tone that Jordan Peele has been able to nail in both of his other two movies. Um, I think this is his best one yet. I, I like when, when I say I love this movie, I mean, like, I, I really, really loved this movie. Um, so, the acting is really fucking good across the board. Kiki Palmer fucking just destroys it. I think that she is so fucking, like, 
magnetic. Like I, I, I cannot take my eyes off of her when she's on screen. Um, and, uh, Daniel, I, I hope I'm saying this right. Kaluuya, uh, is also very, very good. Um, he, I feel like has less to do in this movie than he did in like, say get out or, um, his other super memorable performance to me is in, uh, the first season of black mirror. Um, he's in, I think the second episode. Um, anyway. Yeah. Um, so what this movie really fucking did for me was, and, and the reason that I think I really liked it so much is because it manages to say so many different things and do them all super effectively. It really manages to draw a parallel between how like Hollywood kind of like gets rich off the pain of others. Uh, like, you know, when you think about stuff like, um, like, I don't want to, I don't want to get into spoiler territory, but like, think think about something like say like Twelve Years a Slave, right? And Twelve Years a Slave is a very emotionally rough movie to watch uh, for just about anybody. Um, but like, it was a movie that, while having an artistic expression, also managed to you know make money, and. Uh, there are movies all the time that come out that are based on like really, really fucking tragic events and Hollywood makes all this money off of it without really kind of like acknowledging the hurt that that event caused people. So there's, there's stuff that it is, uh, uh, riffing on with that. There's also kind of a, a parallel that it brings with people of color and the industry of movie making and how they are kind of like completely like tossed aside in the history of movie making. And like that's a very poignant criticism that it makes. It also kind of has like this subtext that's kind of wrapped up about like the sort of like superficiality of the media that we consumed, or at the very least, like what modern day uh, sort of like filmmaking and media making has become where it's super disposable and how we like back in the day, we used to not necessarily want to consume media uh, so much as we wanted to absorb it and we wanted to have it sit with us and we wanted to think about it and stuff like that. Uh, but the one thing that I think I took away from it more than anything is I think I took away from it that it's a sort of meta commentary about Jordan Peele himself and how he does not want to be remembered and how 
there are parallels in this movie all over the place with people like Steven Spielberg. And, uh, like, this really kind of feels like an old 80s Spielberg-produced movie. It kind of feels like The Goonies in, in a weird way. And I think that, like, what Peel is ultimately trying to say, or at the very least this is my sort of take on it, is that, like, he doesn't want to be remembered as the first black guy to ever make a horror movie because that's kind of what people have like made him. Let's forget the fact that he's not, he's not the first black person to have ever made a horror movie, but like people see him and they have made him this sort of like pariah or maybe not pariah, but like they've kind of put all of their hopes and dreams onto this one person. And he's, just one person and not only is he just one person but he doesn't necessarily want to be remembered as just the horror guy because he can do so much more like there are two shots at the end of this movie like within the last probably like 10 minutes that are like truly gigantic odes to stuff that Jordan Peele likes like one of them, I like, I don't want to ruin this for people, but one of them is straight up, literally, like, a recreation, a live-action recreation of the bike slide from Akira. Like, and, like, I've seen some commentary on Twitter and stuff like that. It's like, so is every bike slide, like, the shot from Akira now? But it's like, no, this is the shot from Akira. And... Uh, the very final shot of the movie is like ripped from, I mean, I, I probably couldn't tell you what exactly, like which Western it was, cause I don't really like Westerns and I'm not really well versed in them, but I know that I've seen this shot before and it's like, he can do so much more than just horror and I'm glad that he is doing this stuff, but my takeaway, again, like I said, was that he doesn't want to be remembered as that guy. He wants to be remembered as Jordan Peele. And I don't know. I I just thought that it was a really wonderful commentary about, like, just media in general. And you could tell from the way that the movie is made and the way that it plays out that, like, Jordan Peele fucking loves movies. Like, this is his shit. You could you could tell all over the place that he loves fucking doing this. He loves watching movies. He loves talking about movies. He loves fucking directing movies. He loves writing movies. And you it was written all over the screen even if it wasn't the actual text or maybe even the subtext, right? I fucking love this movie. Had Everything Everywhere All at Once not come out earlier this year. I really think that this could have potentially been my favorite movie of the year. Um, I think it's fucking awesome. I think it is excellent. And if you get a chance to go see it, I really fucking recommend it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've heard nothing but good things about it. Like from everyone. It looks great. And I love all of his other movies. I like what I, I saw something with him recently like talking about like what he likes in horror and it's not like it's not like there's a, like this clear cut monster 
and like that's what's scary about horror it's kind of like letting your imagination run wild and that's the kind of horror that he likes and that's why i get more into his movies i think yeah um this just came out too this just came out last week last week yeah so you went to see that really yeah quickly. we um, saw opening day in imax <laughs> Yeah, that that was fast, man. But no, I I really want to see it too. So I'm glad you enjoy it. And second, second to everywhere, everything, all at once. And that's that's pretty good. I'm uh, I'm an excited lad. Oh yeah, that's good shit, man. Uh, all right, we've got one more from. Oh no, we've got. Yeah, one more from all of us. Yep. Okay, so, uh, Dylan, tell us about Look Back. Look Back. Um, is a gift from Mr. Stevens to it myself. Is. You're welcome. <clears throat> we talked about it in our um, Patreon episode, but you kind of really advocated for both Josh and I to get the Shonen app and give it a shot um, for various different reasons. Um, the one that you and I talked about in our little special was Look Back, and that's what caused me to download the app. Um, while I have delved into a couple of other things, I haven't spent a substantial amount of time with the app. But what I have finished is Look Back, and that's all thanks to you, man. And I can't thank you enough for it. This is my first time ever reading just a one-shot. Mm-hmm. Um, it just or And I can't even tell you how long it's been since I read manga in general. But So this is a one-shot by Tatsuki Fujimoto, which is your Chainsaw Man yep. person. Yep. So, and this, so I have a question because this follows, uh, like, we'll talk about the story in a second, but this follows two artists and it's Fujino and it's Kiyamoto, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's that. Are their names a play off of his name? Yes. So, this is like a self. See, yeah. I love this because there's just a levels to this shit. Um, no, Josh, did you read this? Uh, not yet. It's on my list. Okay. <clears throat> so, no spoilers. Um, it's just, it's it's lightly put, man. Like quickly put, it's just a fantastic story about a girl who, for a while there, she kind of thinks she's the shit when it comes to drawing manga and like creating comics for her school newspaper, and then come to find out, not so much of the shit that she thought she was. <laughs> um. There is another artist that shares a, a page with her, and their art is just <clears throat> more incredible than you could ever imagine. Like, actually sitting there and looking at it on screen or a screen paper, wherever you might have read this at, um, it's incredible, dude. It, it's like looking through a mirror into another, sorry, through a window into another manga. Like, mm-hmm. it was just really well drawn, really beautiful. And that whole thing kind of just. I guess transcends into the actual look back manga itself. Like the art style is phenomenal. Loved it. Um, oh yeah. <clears throat> Real quick. I've, when I started trying to make, cause I went ahead and made the thumbnail. I don't know if you guys have seen it, um, but I went ahead and made the thumbnail for this episode. Uh, and I was looking for stuff specifically from this uh, manga um, but I found stuff from Chainsaw Man and from Just Listen to the Song and from Goodbye Eerie. And Fujimoto's artwork is stunning. Like, 
it's it fucking is, incredible. It's, it's, it's fucking wild. <sighs> and that's something that drew me into it. That is actually... So when you and I were talking about it initially, Austin, while you were talking about it, I was telling you that it was like a story. You were leading me along, and like as I was looking at his artwork with your words, it was like it, I was I had a like a story painted just in front of my face. For mm-hmm. me. Um, again, I think you would absolutely slay the TikTok atmosphere with videos like that because it was really captivating, and it got me to sit down and read this. And the art style is a huge part of what did it, and ultimately, like it kind of that goes back into what the story you know truly is i don't want to spoil a lot because i i really do want josh to sit down and enjoy it but it's like i like it because it takes a character that's like you can tell she's passionate but when she's kind of one-upped you you kind of see that she's a little bit of a jerk too like she's very i mean i guess headstrong is the way to look at it but she's hurt that she's not the cat's meow right mm-hmm. like, dude what has been wh- last night josh i said cahoots and then tonight <laughs> i'm saying cat's meow you're turning this into an old man well. I, that's what ugh, it is that's disgusting dude i my birthday is literally a week in a week and it's like as soon as i just i'm i'm at, I'm at 30 now so it's like as soon as i just put foot into full-on you know i'm in my 30s like when i hit 31 it's like i'm saying all these you know, just disgusting phrases that I would never in my life use. It's just all of a sudden happens. Welcome to living in the it's South and being 30. Yep, I guess I got to start drinking my buttermilk here pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> um, fuck, I forgot what I was saying, you son of a bitch. <laughs> it's fine. Anyway, story's great, but it gives you this uh, character that's, it's, she, she, she's 50-50. It's like, you kind of understand where she's coming from, but she's also being a little jerk. But by the end of the story, she kind of makes full full circle. Like she, there's some, we talked about character growth within, you know, Stranger Things. This is something that within a one-shot manga, it showed just tremendous character growth. It showed tremendous fucking art capabilities. It was a just wonderful story. I loved it so much. Um, a little, a little prickly in today's like social climate with some of the things that are in the uh, in the manga. Like there's some, there's a situation where something really tragic happens at a school, and it's kind of reminiscent of stuff that happens in our day to day life. Well, I mean, unfortunately, day to day lives. Mm-hmm. It feels like you know, in today's world, so it can be a little prickly if you know you go into it and you're unsuspecting so that is very much a part of it but it has its place in the story for sure and that is something actually that helps it culminate down into this just wonderful work of art by the end of it so Austin again dude thank you because I I never thought that I would sit down and read a a manga for the longest time like I have no desire to and then I I Mm. saw this and I gave it a shot and it is beautiful from start to finish Um, I love that just incredible yeah it was absolutely phenomenal man and I, I thoroughly enjoyed it and I know it has nothing like it, it's nothing like look back but I you know the fact that Fujimoto did Chainsaw Man as well like I'll, I will give it a shot even if it's <laughs> even <laughs> if it's not this you know yeah, yeah even if it's because this is not gross this is wholesome in its own way tragic 
for sure mm-hmm. look back is. Um, but yeah, I'm willing to give Chainsaw Man a shot. And then the one that you're actually about to talk to uh, talk about, I, I didn't even know this was a thing, so I'm yeah. very interested. Uh, well, Josh, do you want me to go ahead? Yeah, yeah. I actually put this on okay, my list, cool. so I'm I'm interested to hear what you say about it. Sick. Uh, so yeah, this is another one shot uh, of his. Oh, actually, and hang this on, is real actually quick, before you get started, I I just want to ask something. So he did Chainsaw Man, and that ended sometime last year, right? Uh, I think Chainsaw Man ended in December of 2020. Oh, okay, okay. So are all of these one-shots something he did between Chainsaw Man Part 1 and Chainsaw Man Part 2? Um, so Look Back came out in 2001. Uh, Goodbye, Airy came out in, like, May of this year, and then... Uh, the next one I'm about to talk about, just listen to the song, that actually just came out, like, not even a month ago. Okay, okay. And uh, there's so many more of his that I didn't even know existed uh, until doing a little research on him. Uh, also, through doing research on him, very strange fucking guy. He is a you weird that, fucking dude. You said Look Back came back came out in 2001. I think he made yes, 2021. Look Back came out next year. Yes, I did mean 2021. Did I oh, say 2001? Dude, yeah. yeah, dude. <laughs> oh, I was wow. trying to put My together bad. the timeline, man. No, that's all good. We're time travelers now, like, Holy boys. Shit. Uh, <laughs> but he does actually have one-shots that date all the way back to, like, 2007, 2008. Oh, goddamn, dude. Yeah, he used to release one-shots on uh, funnyjunk.com, believe it or not. Interesting. I don't know if you guys know what that is, but everyone in I'm my generation I'm sitting here, that sounds familiar, and I don't know why that sounds It familiar. was just a stupid website for, like, like dumb humor, like, childish-level humor, like, uh, comic strips. Reddit. and got you. Yeah, essentially Reddit before Reddit, yeah, yeah essentially. Shit um, like E-Bombs World? Yeah, pretty fucking oh, much. Oh, we're, we're, we're taking a trip down memory lane. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, go ahead, Austin. Albino Black Sheep, anyone? <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, just listen to the song is his most recent one shot and it's actually his shortest. This one's only 18 pages. Mm. This is like a normal manga chapter length. Um, but it starts out with this young man whose name I also cannot fucking remember. Um, and he has this like burning passion for one of his classmates. Like he is head over heels in love with this girl so much so that he taught himself how to play guitar wrote a song for her, recorded it, put it on the internet, and went to school the next day, and, like, that was kind of his way of expressing how he felt. He was like, hey, like, I made this, and I made it about you, and I really want you to listen to it, and I want you to tell me how you think. And she starts listening to it, and this chick starts dying laughing. She's like, this is so fucking bad. This is cringy. This is stupid. You're a fucking idiot. She shares it to the whole class. This whole classroom is just roasting him. For the rest of the day for it. Um, eventually it gets around to the whole school. And you know to different parts across town. And, and people are just relentlessly laying into this dude. About this fucking uh, song and video. Uh, well then some random uh, some random person on the internet uh, re-uploaded his video. And was like hey if you watch it halfway through at about the halfway mark, you can see a ghost, like a a reflection of a ghost's face in the window behind him. And so his video started to go viral and gain traction because of that. People were like, Oh, like, have you always known your house is haunted? And like, people are bombarding him with questions. Like all of a sudden people are interested in what he's done 
but not for the reason he wanted them to be or he wanted someone to be and uh so people start begging him to do another one they're like oh let's see if we can do it again so he does do it again and nobody sees anything and everybody fucking hates it all over again he is getting roasted for this shit all over again so he says fuck it i'm gonna delete these videos and he runs into a girl at school that he's never met and she says hey i saw your first video i just wanted to let you know that that is really a ghost halfway through your video i can't explain why i know that but if you delete that video something really awful and soul crushing is going to happen to you uh and he decides not to listen he says fuck it i'm deleting the videos anyway and on his commute home on the subway the girl who uh, he expressed feelings for comes up to him, puts an earbud in his ear, and it's it's his song and his video. And she looks at him and she says, you know, just because you delete something off the internet doesn't mean people who have already downloaded it to make fun of you don't have access to it anymore. And once again, just starts laying into him by just how stupid and how cringy and how pointless this was. And then it ends. That's it. Oh, Oh my. Yeah. yeah. This one hurt, man, because it was like I like I kind of understand like having something that like you're really interested in and you're really proud of and people just tearing you down because of it. Um I mean, like without going into too much fucking detail and getting too dark, like that's from family people who shouldn't ever do it like that was my entire childhood was everything i was ever interested in or i was proud of or that i had done was just like a nuisance or like a waste of time or annoying and so it's just like i like i understand putting in all this effort just to be relentlessly shat on because of it and it was it was it was pretty fucking surreal and i by the time it was over i i was I was sobbing a little harder than I feel like I should have been. Um, but it's just because like, I, I understand that feeling because I, <laughs> well, and even more specifically, uh, I, I have also done that, uh, not to the point of recording it and making a video. Uh, but I have also done that and gotten the exact same fucking result. So very sad. Well, it is now on the list. So next week I will give you my, thoughts that i didn't know that was a thing but it is weirdly sh much much shorter than look back is yeah he just wanted that one to fucking hurt and be done with it <laughs> not even like, slow burn it's something. just like you're taking this one straight to the head right yeah that shit because like the other ones like like goodbye airy and look back like yeah they're kind of uh, especially goodbye airy uh they're they're both pretty pretty tragic and sad in their own right but it's like like you said they're more of like a slow burn like that story has a lot of twists and turns and a lot of changes but like this one is just straight to like emotional damage and it does not fucking emotional hold back emotional damage emotional <laughs> that's the first oh, thing dude, I, I thought of when I said the that fucking remix remix is uh, great no yeah. Um, well, hell yeah, man. I'm I'm glad that you got something out of it. That yeah, I wanted to make the joke about. I was like, oh, so it's about uh, you know, 
hey, hey there Delilah or whatever but I was like that's that's mean um, but uh, hell yeah that I mean that sounds like something that's honestly right up my alley not the emotional damage part but the uh, you know the whole no, idea the emotional that, damage part too <laughs> yeah the whole uh, like thing about it um, kind of like uh, s- serving some sort of emotional story um, that I fairly certain that I have gone through myself mm-hmm. so yeah good shit yeah. good shit alright well I guess that uh, that leaves it to me so I'm going to talk about severance now severance is the second best anything that I've watched this year uh, or maybe third best, um, but it's easily the top three. And uh, I, I kind of don't even think that it's really even all that remotely close. I, I, I find a lot of what uh, is happening in media uh, recently is really speaking to me on a lot of different levels, and uh, this was one that really spoke to me um, so the premise of, or this is a Apple TV plus show. The premise of this is that, uh, basically there is a implant that you can get put into your brain where, and it's called severing. Uh, and the basic process of severing means that you are, um, going to be able to, uh, have a a sort of unnatural work-life balance. And what I mean by that is that when you are at work, you are a completely different person and you have absolutely no memory of what is happening in your... Um, in your, like, everyday life. Um, and so, uh, there is that, um, aspect of it, but then also when you're at work or when you're at home, you have absolutely no, um, recollection of like your work life. So everything is completely separated. Like you, you know, nothing of your coworkers. Uh, when you're outside of work and then you know nothing of like your uh, inside or personal relationships stuff of that nature when you are at work so uh, that's the that's the basic premise of the show and I think that what makes this show so insanely compelling is not just that there's like this sort of like central mystery but also that like there's a sort of like weirdly philosophical question about like what is like what is uh you know I don't want to say the difference between work life and regular life but it 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 raises a question that's sort of like what is the meaning of kind of like 
what I'm trying to think of, of, of the the way best to to phrase this. Uh, but maybe it's what is the meaning of a work life balance if the two are so intertwined? Like if if work and and regular life, like what what is life really? Because you know you're saying work life balance, but like what is the particular balance that you need to strike between the two? And like if you're at one and not the other, like why does that? Like, what is the the meaning behind that? Does that... I'm probably phrasing it really poorly. No, 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 no. I got you. So, uh, yeah. And it. I think that that is a very uh, interesting question to, to raise. Um, I, I really think that, like, it doesn't really offer a solution to... Or, like, an answer to that uh, question either. Uh because it really kind of goes into what the meaning of really just kind of existence is in in general because the the main character who's played by Adam Scott who is just I think outstanding um uh it it goes into uh like why he chose to sever in the first place and the reason that he chose to sever was because he went through a traumatic experience where his wife died and now he is like he had such a hard time being like uh uh going back to quote unquote regular life that he decided that I don't want to remember that when I'm at work I don't want to relive you know traumatic experiences and stuff like that i would much prefer to just have them separated and like it kind of brings in facets that are like what is life without pain but also like like can you truly be happy knowing that you have like traumas that exist and like there is so many fucking just different and really profound directions that it goes into that I like, it's hard to even really talk about. Um, and they're all incredibly engaging and incredibly like thoughtful and thought provoking. And I just had an, absolute blast fucking watching it i thought it was compelling the entire time i i never once was like yeah i kind of want to turn this off like it was just like i said it was compelling through and through it was it never lost my uh it always piqued my curiosity and never lost my interest um if you get a chance to watch it i I can't recommend it enough. I I genuinely think that it is. It's my second favorite TV show of the year, and probably my third third favorite thing overall from this year. Like, it's up there with Barry and everything everywhere all at once. Like, just absolutely astounding. I I loved it. So, what role does? 
Christopher Walken play in this show? Uh, a very small role, um, but a very, I, I would say, important role. Um, okay. He offers a bunch of character development for uh, one of the other characters. I, I, I don't want to give away too much because it is kind of like a very interesting subplot. Sure. Um, but he's very good in it. I, I'll say that much. And the director? Ben Stiller. Is it actually It's him? actually Ben Stiller. That's crazy yep. to me. Okay. So, fun stuff. That is awesome. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, I guess we should probably get into uh, what we've been playing since we last talked. Yeah. Um... Holy shit, it's been two hours and we haven't even started. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we watched a lot of we shit. We watched a lot of shit and it was all good stuff. Uh, well, Alright, I'll start with uh, mine that I tried playing today. And um, I'm going to say this. I'm sorry, Jeffrey. Windjammers 2 is not for me. Um... So Windjammers 2 is a game that I found on Game Pass. It's a sort of like, uh, I don't want to call it a Pong thing, but it's kind of like a Frisbee, Tennis, Pong matchup thing that is kind of done in the style of like an old arcade fighter, something similar to like a Street Fighter or something like that. Beautiful artwork. Uh, I really, really dig the soundtrack. I think the soundtrack's great, and... I I can't, I really can't say enough about the aesthetic of the game, but either I am very bad at this game or it does not teach you how to play effectively because I am fucking awful at it. Like, I mean, awful. I played this game for about, I don't know, 30 minutes to an hour earlier today. And because I was trying to get a feel of it and, you know, whatever. And I could not beat a single opponent. And I was playing on fucking easy by the end of it. Couldn't fucking do it. I tried everything to try to understand how the controls work, how the physics worked, like what I needed to do to be able to score points. I, I beat, like... It's, it's kind of similar to, like, a, I guess, a, a fighting match where it's, like, two rounds uh, of a set unless you tie both of them and then it goes to, like, a tiebreaker. So it's, like, a best of three thing. Um, and I won one round the entire time that I played. I could not figure out how to get the, <laughs> the Frisbee to spin faster. I couldn't figure out how to pull off the 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 actual maneuvers like you're supposed to be able to do uh they're called like uh curve shots or something like that i just i could not figure it out and it frustrated me and i had to i had to give up it was just something that i i could not wrap my head around and that is unfortunate because aesthetically i think the game fucking rules um but just I I I guess not a game for me right now. Uh, yep. That's so, fair. Yep. 
It looks pretty though. Like I did, this just seems like a very Jeff game to yes, play. Yes, it, it, it does. does seem like a very Jeff game to play. Very much Jeff. Uh, if you if you dig old school um, like fighters and that sort of like uh, how should I say it? Like if that if something like Street Fighter Two or even like the first Street Fighter. Like aesthetically, how the systems are laid out, and, and like the sort of like tournament nature of it, like speak to you. I would one hundred percent or recommend this game, um, but I can't say uh, like that anyone should really play it because I don't know how to play it. So I don't know. Interesting stuff, I guess. Hmm. Who wants to go next? I'm trying to figure out where to start. Okay. Me, I have I have three as opposed to his two. Um, I guess I'll go with what I haven't beaten. I, I said it on the Patreon topic. Um, I got an Xbox Series X, which has turned into my Game Pass machine. And with it, I've been dabbling in a shit ton of different games, quite honestly. Um, even if, like, I'll dabble for, like, a few minutes, don't care for it, I'll uninstall it, or, like, I downloaded Flight Simulator, Microsoft Flight Simulator, just to fly over to my house uh, <laughs> and see where I live, and then I uninstalled it. Um, <laughs> but something I, I I did download that I am dabbling in and actually thoroughly enjoying my time with is Halo Infinite. <laughs> um, didn't care for the multiplayer. But then I was like, I have it. I'll give it another shot. Like, I, I just wanted, you know, something else to play in there. I kind of mix up the, not even monotony, because I, I wouldn't say anything that I've been playing is monotonous, but it it's just adding more to the mix, I guess. And uh, so I said, fuck it, I'll give it a shot. You know, I wanted to retry the campaign and go into it more open this time, and I did. And uh, I'm, glad, I'm glad I touched base with it again. Um enjoying myself much more this time around it's kind of cool because sabrina's been in there watching as well and she's getting to learn a little bit about the lore she already knew about some of it but like she had never heard master chief talk or anything like that but she knew who like uh the elites and the grunts and the brutes and stuff like that are she knows that weirdly she knows the name of all the vehicles too it's it's i don't know how she got all that information but she's never played a single game before um but so far, man, I, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. This is probably the first Halo game where I've actually felt like, oh, shit, like, I'm a Spartan. Like, it really feels like it, too. Um, like, gunplay is pretty great, I'll say. Um, but then, like, just, like, being able to be in, like, heavy firefight then use my grappling hook, grapple up to a ledge when I get up there, grab a power core, throw it down at a bunch of enemies, kill everyone down there, like... It's just, it's a lot of fun. The traversability is great. It feels polished. Um, aesthetically, the world looks wonderful. Um, I think they did a great job with it. I like that it plays... So kind of like the middle ground is playing it at 60 hertz, and it like you have that nice 4K visual with it while still getting the 60 frames, and it looks great. But then if you turn it up to 120 hertz, like it still looks good still looks great like it's obviously a little bit of a step down because like you're trying to run it at 120 frames but i mean the game performs wonderfully and i love everything about that um 
I'm enjoying the story a little bit. Like, it's still hard for me to... Like, I'm kind of that grumpy old man, right? Like, I miss the days of Chief and Cortana going on an adventure. But what I do like so far is that the relationship with the new AI, which as of right now is just called Weapon. I don't... Josh, does that change at all? Uh, no. No? So we just call it Weapon. Okay. Um, she's wonderful. I love everything about her. I love the curiosity. Um, just the story... Not the story, but the relationship that she's developing with uh, Chief it's it's definitely hooking me i'm glad like i said that i came back to it um yeah i I still have a long way to go like uh i'm getting sidetracked on liberating uh bases and stuff like that finding uh spartan cores or whatever they're called to like level up doing a lot of the side stuff i'm not just mad dashing from start to finish to you know get it over with like i thought i would it's just kind of enjoy my time with it hell yeah um, because i have my like because i have it downloaded i have the multiplayer too so i'm going to try it again just to give it another shot like go back into it with not high expectations just kind of like neutral expectations because i've already dabbled in it before so i'm definitely going to do that but yeah i mean i so it's pretty fun man like i'm really enjoying it i think it will be the the first person shooter game that i wind up beating for the the genre this year which is the original choice anyway so that's great um but dude i'm i I can't wait to finish it up like i'm uh like five six chapters into the story while doing all this extra stuff so maybe by next week i'll have it finished i'm not sure but uh dude i'm yay (laughs) hell yeah dude yeah, I really, I really dug the hell out of the campaign on, on. Well, I, I really liked all of the, of the game to be honest with you. Right. But. Yeah, no, campaign is certainly shining more for me than the, the multiplayer did. I, I can't wait to see where it goes. Hell but. yeah. Austin. Next. Yeah. Um, which one should I? He was first? too busy getting high. No, I was eating a chicken finger, you douchebag. <laughs> oh, pause. Pause. Chicken finger from where? Zaxby's. Oh, uh, Zaxby's. Yes. Oh, yeah, you went to Z- Dude, I got the best news in the world. Coming very soon, no less Me. than a mile from my house, is a brand new Zaxby's. Oh, hell yeah. Mm, they're putting a Raising Cane's by us. The fuck is that? Hmm? What is that? Uh, I don't know. It's like a chicken place, kind of like Zaxby's. A lot of people think it's better than Zaxby's. I think that that's wrong Ooh. and stupid. See, I would have said the same thing, but in Oakwood now is a place called Huey Magoo's. That place has the most fire lemon pepper chicken I have ever had. Ooh, it is so good. That. And it's in the same format of like a Zaxby's. So pretty good. Hell yeah. I just I don't like know. everybody rides Raising Cane's dick. And I'm like, for what? Ra- Their sauce is. Raising Cane? Yeah. That's the name of it. Is it... Uh, I'm going to have to fucking dabble, dude. I love me some chicken. I just, like, their their signature sauce is subpar at best. I mean, it's like a Walmart Zach sauce. It's not that good. Their chicken fingers, not that fucking good. Yeah, Dirt Zaxby's is, like, my number one place, dude. Yeah, fast Zaxby's food, is. if I'm... T- if. If it's fast food, it's Zaxby's. I will choose that over everything else. See, I normally would, too, but it's so goddamn expensive. Fucking everything is, man, now, yeah, dude. It's... Yeah, that's true. Me and Madison went to Taco Bell the other day, and it was like $35. So I was like, what the fuck? Bro, what the fuck? Right? $35 yeah. for Taco Bell? Jesus. 
Uh, yeah, every time right. me and Madison go to Taco Bell, it's like 35 bucks. That's fucking Dude, wild. I'll, like, some nights I will be too tired to cook and I didn't meal prep for the week or day, whatever, and I'll go to order from DoorDash. Tell me why these motherfuckers... I'm actively seeing them raising prices from one day to the next. Oh, hell what yeah, the shit is happening? Fuck me, man. Well, with a lot Fuck of fast food places, in. the men... Like, not even just... Everyone's like, oh, it's just the delivery fee. No, it's fucking not. Like, half no. of these places' menus are also fucking raised. Yeah, they... they the On, like, DoorDash and Uber Eats and all that shit, their prices are definitely fucking raised, and then on top of that, yeah. they uh, charge the delivery fee. It's just fucking ridiculous. Dude, I, I have the Dash Pass, so there's no delivery fee, but yeah, them prices are spiking. That shit's still expensive. Yes. I had to uninstall that shit, because I was like, I just don't even need the temptation of having this, because I hate <laughs> this fucking money. Yeah. I just hate it. It's so goddamn it. Every fucking, everything's so That's good for expensive. you, that you can delete an app and think, oh, I won't use it, because if I delete an app, I'll just be like, well, I can re-download it. <laughs> See, I actually forgot... <laughs> I mean, this is kind of a blessing in disguise, I suppose. I I forgot my login information for DoorDash, so I can't even get back into my account anymore. That's what I should do, is I should give it to fuck some rando and be like, change my password to this shit, and then I'll delete it, and then I have no choice but to make a new mm-hmm. account and download the app again. And I just, I'm too lazy to go through the effort of making a new account. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> so I just don't ever do it now. Awesome. You're just like I'll sit at home and drink my chocolate milk from a mug. My, my yep. chocolate milk. Now I just milk. order pizza instead. Like that's any my fucking chalky milk. Chalky milk. Austin, I need you to I have a shirt that, that says chalky milk on it. I do somewhere. Oh, you fuck yes. God, I love you so much. <laughs> Madison got it for me back in like 2016. Oh, you've always repped chalky milk, and you always <laughs> love me. dude. I think I love you so much. I think that like Madison. Uh, Madison swears up and down. That's why I drink it the way I do. Because like, at, like, as a kid, because like I I borderline lived with my grandparents, and like any time I like any fucking time I asked if I was thirsty, it could be fucking one thirty in the afternoon, and I'd say, hey, uh, grandma, I'm thirsty. She's like, here's a big old fucking glass of chocolate milk. That's all <laughs> I drink my entire childhood. So now as an adult, oh I'm like, it's all I need. I don't need I love else. that so much. And then it's like we used to go to school and the selection was white milk or chocolate milk. What the fuck are you telling me you're going to choose? Uh, oh, I choose dude, I always, uh, The vanilla milk was fucking dude, solid, too. The strawberry milk was the fucking titties also. Strawberry, yeah. too. Dude, yeah. You telling me, like, I'm going to choose plain... Like, we condition ourselves as kids to want oh, chocolate milk yeah, all the do. time. <laughs> strawberry milk always even... just tasted like Pepto-Bismol to me. Oh, dude, I, I did like love it. strawberry milk. I like them both. What was, uh, what, I, I guess that's what it was. It was like vanilla flavored milk. I don't know. It was like milk that tasted like a fucking marshmallow. It was awesome. We had God, that shit dude, I just, school. I don't, I, like, I think I am lactose intolerant, so I can't fuck myself too hard on stuff like that, but I could really go for some, like, old school cafeteria mm-hmm. milk right now. But also, yeah. what's the deal with high schools giving fucking cartons of chocolate right, milk Seinfeld. for lunch? What's going on? What's the deal with airplane food? <laughs> you know, I've never seen an episode of Seinfeld. Of course you fucking haven't. <laughs> right. And I never What was your will. question, though? What's the deal with what? Uh, Like, high school. Like, why in high school do they give kids fucking milk cartons for lunch? Because they're right? growing like, kids. They need their milk, son. Yeah, but, like, who the fuck wants fucking milk with pizza or, like, chicken nuggets? <laughs> Why, like, why do you? Well, want, that's why, why you got You got to buy the. You got to buy the premium shit. You got to buy the the phantom. Oh hell no, dog! I was on free lunch. 
Yeah. I didn't like pay for that shit. I was on free lunch. My mom was unemployed. Now you go to high school and there's like a battle pass for the cafeteria menu every week. Oh, God. Okay. Ba- back on yeah, topic, holy shit. This all God started damn. from you choosing a game. Shit, dude. Sorry. My bad. I think that was my fault. It was. Oh. Most of the tangents are. Um, that's probably... Yeah. Were we going to me? Is that what was happening? Yeah. Okay, You were choosing cool. between your two. Okay, cool. Uh, I'm going to talk about the worst one of the two first, so I'm going to talk about Xenoblade 2. Um, I'm just kidding. It's not worse. It's just totally different and not really comparable. Um, but uh, this is a game that I've always, ever since I tried it, for I started it for the first time back in 2020, uh, I've always really, really loved it. I just I've never finished it. It's very long, and there's a lot of stuff to do. And uh, one of my biggest gripes with this game is the navigation is fucking atrocious. Like, the way, the bullshit waypoint system it uses is awful. I never know where the... Like, even though there's a little marker in the fucking top of the screen that tells me how far, like, I need to go to progress the story, uh, it's so... I To me, it's confusing and unnecessarily convoluted. And I, from what I have seen of Xenoblade 3 that comes out on Friday... They have dramatically overhauled that, and I'm very fucking excited about that. Because this, I mean, that really is one of the biggest reasons why I keep putting this game down, is because the navigation is just so fucking awful. Um, but uh, Xenoblade 2 is essentially just your Japanese waifu gotcha simulator. Hell yeah. Um, <laughs> and, you know, everybody loves those. Um, the story is essentially this uh, uh, young boy named Rex. Uh, happens to stumble upon an ancient artifact that contained uh, unnecessarily attractive uh, ancient like humanoid android type beat kind of thing. I don't they don't they don't ever fully describe what these things are. Um, but essentially they're called blades. They're they're like artificial people that when bonded with a person, um, you can do all kinds of cool shit like fucking make fire and water spew from the ground and like cool shit. Uh, and superpowers and shit. Um, and he makes a promise with her to help her get to a place called Elysium, which in this world, uh, from what I have gathered so far, is a spen- is essentially like heaven, because every time a character dies but is then for some bullshit plot device purpose going to be brought back to life, uh, they always like have a vision of like their spirit in this place called Elysium, so I'm, I'm assuming it's like their version of heaven. Um, but... Um, yeah, this uh, artificial woman that Rex meets, her name is Pyra, and uh, as you go through the story, uh, Pyra is like an alternate form called Mithra that she can, like, switch back and forth, and they can, like, talk to each other and, like, do weird shit. Uh, but they are essentially like a doomsday weapon, and that's what they were built for, and that's what they did thousands of years ago. Um, they were basically a... Uh, from what I've gathered, they were basically like a... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a backup plan. Like when the world just got too bad and too embroiled with war, Mithra or Pyra would come out and pretty much just end existence and existence would just start over. Or what's left of society would begin to rebuild and attempt to start over. Um, Mithra not Mithra slash Pyra not really having any memories of these events but are being told uh, the story of their of all the horrible things that they've done 
uh, by other people who have somehow managed to live and exist for that fucking long, and by other blades who uh, had existed since those ancient times. Um, and they're, like, it has a very, uh, your whole party is, is just essentially people that you've saved from, like, really tragic scenarios. And it, it has this very, like, feel-good, like, kind of family-is-what-you-make-it story. Um, and I really, I really dig it. And I'm excited to kind of finish it and just finally be done with it. Um, I did want to pick up Xenoblade 3 uh, on Friday, but uh, from what I have read, you actually, uh, for once in the series, you actually do have to have the knowledge from all previous titles for Xenoblade 3 to fully make sense. Um, and I figured, well, fuck, dude, I've still got to finish 1, 2, and fucking Torna, which is like the prequel to 2. I've got to finish all three of them. So I was like, fuck it, I'm not going to buy this shit anytime soon. I'm just going to play through these, and whenever I'm done with them, I'll fucking buy three. Um, but yeah, very stoked to finish it. Super stoked to give Xenoblade 1 another shot. I remember not really liking it all that much, because I just I had a really hard time grasping to those characters, much more so than I did with Xenoblade 2. Um, but hopefully another playthrough, maybe I can kind of change my perspective a little bit. But Xenoblade 2 is super good. Lots of bad waifu anime chicks. Don't know what that's about. Uh, also super cool of Nintendo to have not micro-transaction the shit out of this game, because they 100% could. Um, along with using Pyra and Mithra, you uh, uh, throughout your journey you stumble upon these things called uh, 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 core crystals, and they essentially every time a blade dies they revert back to this like kind of crystal form um that's like the size of your hand uh and when they do that they actually lose like their all of their memories are completely wiped they have no record of their previous existence whatsoever um and only people with like a certain ability of like aptitude i guess i don't know they don't ever really explain that uh, only certain people have the ability to actually awaken uh, the core crystals and, and summon blades and be able to be bonded with uh, different blades. Um, and there's there's so fucking many, dude. Um, of course, all the really cool ones that, that look like actual individual characters are super hard to... Uh, like Because it's all RNG-based, what you get out of these core crystals. There's, a, there's, there's like a generic like kind of very ancient mechanical looking design that like 90% of the blades in the game fucking use um but then there's like that 10% like that small handful of ones that actually just look like people with like cool armors and weapon sets on and shit um and yeah again Nintendo could have very easily microtransaction the shit out of this and I probably would have been the kind of person that willingly purchased it uh but I very much appreciate them not fucking doing that because I would have gone broke trying to unlock some of this shit. Yeah, you would have. Uh, for a waifu gotcha? Absolutely. Why do you think I haven't played Genshin Impact yet? <laughs> That's a disaster waiting to fucking happen. Well, here's the, then you get Madison to do it first. Then it's her thing, and then she'll get you into it. And then you can just be like, well, you made me. Truly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Dylan, a gaslighting uh, king, truly. Yeah. Is this a action RPG? Yeah, so it's really weird because, like, the combat system, when you engage in a fight, um, like, all of your normal combos and stuff, you don't actually do. The Most of the battle system is entirely automatic. 
um, but you have certain buttons mapped to uh, different special attacks that gauges build up around the screen over time. But as far as just doing like normal damage, it's like all completely auto automatic. The game just does it for you, uh, which is gotcha. kind of cool because uh, it. I mean, it is a JRPG, so it, it it is very grindy, and having a battle system like that kind of, to me, uh, kind of eases up the burden of the grind a little bit because I'm not having to do as much as I normally would. Uh, but it, it, it can also get very tiring and, and honestly kind of boring just watching these characters fight and like not really having to do a whole lot. So when I look this up, it's classified as an action RPG. Mm -hmm. Meaning that if you beat this, that's technically a genre off your list this year. Oh, that's true. I could do that. Wait, now, hasn't I'm not saying Elden that you're... So that was open world oh, RPG. Because okay. <clears throat> that's what we put it as on my list mm -hmm. when you graciously did that to me. <laughs> um, <laughs> open world RPG is how that was calculated. Action RPG. Gotham Knights was your original pick, which I'm not saying that you're not going to play Gotham Knights, yeah, but I if you beat... Will. But if you beat Xenoblade 2, that is like a safety blanket. You have That's beaten true. that. Yes. That's very true. Um, fuck, I was just going to say something about the game, and I completely forgot what it fucking was. Oh, uh, it's kind of... I feel like this one's going to take me a little longer than normal to play because I, unfortunately, can only play this game at home. I cannot play this game portably on my Switch, and so that's a huge fucking drawback. Wait, okay. Well, now I have <clears throat> I have current traumas that we need to address. When I Google Elden Ring, Elden Ring is set... I mean, it does say action role-playing game. I remember seeing something open-world related to this, and when we added it to my list of genres this year that I was genres. supposed to play, we said open-world. What do I need to classify this as? Because I did have action RPG on my list already. I mean, it is an yeah. action, or it's an open world action RPG is what it is. Like, Okay. So it's to me, that's different. I'm just making sure that we all feel that way. Because when I think of open world, I, I do mean, think yeah, of that, fine. or like Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, the thing is, is open world really isn't technically even a genre, if we're being honest with ourselves. Like, it's, it, it isn't. Mm -hmm. That's also true. That's why I'm torn. <laughs> So, uh, I mean, it is it's, it is what it is. It's whatever, man. Because <laughs> you can make as many uh, genres as you want as you want if you really like have the desire to do so. I mean, it's just yeah, you've already changed the challenge enough. Let's change it in a little bit more. It's still ten genres, though. Yeah, right? it is. like that. Saying. That was the whole point of I, the challenge. Was yeah, ten I genres. think so. Yeah, that's all you got to do. Mm -hmm. So my thing is, like, I would like it to be still 10 genres, like, open world. Yeah. To me, like, I, I don't know. Now I'm just torn. I would, I, I'm would i going to have to think about that. That Because to me, open world action RPG makes sense. But it's also, like Josh said, it it's not a genre. It's an action RPG at the end of the day. Yeah, but, he, yeah. He, I mean, even if you wanted to do that, right? Like, even if you wanted to do that, like, like... Action RPG is just a substrand of of RPG. So like, what yeah. what are we? Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like it. Yeah. No, I got gotcha. you. 
I, I think that it's fine calling it saying this is an open world RPG. This is the genre that I have chosen. I think that that's totally fine because, like, like I said, we could just do this all day if we wanted to. Like mm-hmm. a JRPG is just an RPG. A strategy or like a real time strategy game is just a strategy game. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, okay. So I feel I feel good now. I was having in I was having turmoil. <laughs> like I was spiraling there for a second. I was like, wait a minute, everything's a lie. The cake is a lie. Yeah, the cake is a lie. Uh, Austin, that's from Portal. Yeah. Since you're uncultured and don't okay. know any better. Right. Hey, fuck you. Let's come in the switch. Okay. <laughs> 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 All right. Um. But I mean, yeah, ultimately, like, it's still 10 different genres. Like, that was the whole core thing. So if you beat this, that kind of adds to your Correct. list. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of things, well, I don't know what I'm really saying here. I've been playing Power Wash Simulator. Uh, oh, that's mm. fucking uh, Gilbezi's game of the year. I, I, it should be everyone's game of the year. Shut up, dude. There no, is no, I'm just way. kidding. I'm just kidding. I, okay. I will say this, though. <laughs> I am very, very uh, much in love with this game as much as everyone else is. And I, I, I think nope. rightfully so. Because, alright, so... the I remember very distinctly seeing, I think, an Instagram ad for Power Wash Simulator. And thinking to myself oh wow this looks like a very interesting experience but it looks incredibly satisfying I want to play this and uh, I wasn't wrong it is very much uh, what skill up compared it to in his review was a coloring book and when I think about that now that is 100% what this fucking game is. This game is basically just a adult video game version of a coloring book. Where instead of kind of like, I guess, coloring things in with like, you know, crayon or paint or whatever. What you're doing is actually wiping away like the facade of like grime to reveal the colors underneath and it is so enjoyable and so therapeutic and it is a game that I have started like I'll turn on a uh, a podcast or a YouTube video and and when I say a YouTube video I don't mean like a like uh, a technically like uh, like well edited like video thing I mean like something that I'm going to learn something from and I'm trying to sort of like um, well I mean I guess learn things from and so I'll turn on a YouTube video or a podcast or whatever, and then I'll just play this game. And it is just so, so therapeutic. And it is a perfect way to pass the time. It is 
really, honestly, th- I feel like there's more to it even than just it being a like, like a little coloring book or whatever. I think that like it ends up having like, like there's like a career mode to it and shit, and like it's it's interesting to kind of look at what is uh like what it's doing and like the kind of mechanics behind it and and think like that it isn't just something so simple like that it actually is something that's like worth a damn and worth your time um i am i'm loving it i i am thinking of it as breaking like a top 10 for me this year uh yeah i don't know maybe i'm just fucking insane and maybe it really is as goofy as tawny thinks it is but uh i know that i'm having a blast with it so that's all that really matters that's crazy man like i've heard good things about it weirdly enough everyone seems to like it and they say it's like uh what's the the oddly satisfying simulator stuff like that i mean it I don't know. It's on Game Pass. It stares me in the face every time I see it. I might have to give it a shot at this point. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. Uh, Austin? Or, yeah. no, not Austin. I'm sorry. Dylan. Oh, fuck Dylan's you. the next one. <laughs> um, sorry, Austin. I am the next one. Uh, so, one of the games that I was able to download play and beat off of game pass was mortal kombat 11 this was a game that i had on my list to play and beat this year anyway um this is actually i think the game that got vetoed out for naruto to boruto shinobi striker i believe you're correct um yeah so i wound up playing it anyway which was great it was actually uh it was a lot of fun. I did enjoy it. It felt like, I don't know if either of you have played it, but I feel like you are watching a movie more than you're playing a game half the time when you're going through the story mm-hmm. mode. Um, Cutscenes are long, like long enough to where when I put my controller down to watch one, my screen actually dimmed out like <laughs> because it went, uh, I guess it just went that long without me touching the controller. I mean, they're, they're that... Um, long in duration but it's 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 a lot of fun because it, it's guiding me through this pretty awesome story i will say that i rem- i played nine and ten but i i vaguely remember the story for them but this one it's like again you know i i feel like there's the scales are always being amplified in some way shape or form but in this one um you know in the past game raiden had defeated you know, every, everyone defeated Shinnok, and then Raiden took his amulet, and then he essentially, Raiden, got corrupted. Um, and he kind of, like I said, tore Shinnok's head off and, like, left it as a warning to the, like, revenant version of Kitana and Liu Kang that were left over. Like, you you know, you fuck with Earthrealm, and I'll pretty much kill you, was mm-hmm. the message. Um, and in this game, it picks up right there where it left off, but now the new big bad to come into play is actually a villain named uh, Kronika and she controls literally time itself and she has essentially she has time on this timeline and um, 
there's always like there always seems to be a problem and it's Raiden like she wants Raiden gone um and essentially now that he's like corrupted and possessed by this amulet essentially from Shinnok uh she can turn people against him like she can utilize she can she manipulates really well I'll say that um but she can turn people against Raiden so now what happens is there's there's a group of what we'll call present day and those are all the you know normal earth realm or out you know outworld people like we would mm -hmm. know about but then thanks to Kronika's powers like now we're getting all of the old school Raiden, Liu Kang, Sub-Zero, Johnny, uh, Johnny Cage, Sonya like we get all the like OG cast coming from a past timeline and they're interacting with these uh, fighters in today's timeline and the villains come back too like there's Kano and stuff like that that come back um, and essentially like this is all a part of Kronika's plan like she she has this huge timeline laid out and it's the 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 point is to erase Raiden from existence and if she does that like she'll be able to have I guess just everything right like she she is omnipotent she's trying to erase the elder gods essentially like everything has all been her plan from the start right like that's just the whole idea um so without spoiling anything because i mean i think it's a good game i think people should play it like come in game um the story wraps up really nicely i'll say that um something fucking phenomenal happens towards the end where my jaw dropped and I was like, that's the coolest shit I've ever seen out of a Mortal Kombat game. Um, but it also kind of posed the question at the end, like, what fucking possibly comes next? Like, I know Mortal Kombat 12 is going to be worked on, but the ending of this game, um, really weird. Really, really weird. Uh, Kronika was a great, really fun challenging fight like she is no joke um but at the end of it it's like i i dude i don't see where they're going to go from here unless it's i mean it would have to pick up immediately where this one left off and do something outlandish for it to even make sense like it almost looks like it could just be over here if that mm -hmm. makes sense um i didn't play the dlc the aftermath DLC. I read about it. I read through the plot line, so I knew what was happening, and I'll eventually get it if it goes on sale. But I don't want to pay that much for it right now. And even in reading the aftermath DLC plot line, how it finishes up, it still doesn't make sense for whatever Twelve could set up for in my head. Um, all of that being said, it was a it was a really fun ride. Um, it felt really fluid. It felt great to be playing another fighting game all the old school combos and stuff I liked throughout the story mode. Like there's some chapters where you can choose to either play as like Jax or Jackie Briggs. Um, and I don't know. It, should, it was, it was fun, man. Um, again, like game pass fucking delivered. Cause I didn't have to like pay money for it or whatever. Like it was just there. It was something that I've been wanting to play and I was able to, um, I didn't pl uh, try multiplayer, yet i'd still download it i can give it a shot but just really wanted to get through that story and it was a lot of fun i'm glad that i eventually got to circle back around to it hell yeah yeah i think i started playing it a little bit and uh 
it just, for whatever reason, was not speaking to me at the time. Uh, yeah. But I think that I'll, uh, I'll, I think I'll give it another shot for sure. Yeah, it, it's definitely different, man. It definitely seems like it's going more of the cinematic route. Like I feel like I watched more than I mm-hmm. played, to be quite honest with you. Um, in that regard, like I can see how it can be a little off-putting because truly, like I mean, like I said, my screen went dim from watching a cutscene that was so long um overall really quick game like i think there's only 12 chapters about four fights each um and you're really just watching a movie the whole time but good shit I, i'm i do recommend Hell yeah. it. I, I need to finish it really bad i want to you need to f- i just never you, haven't gotten you, around to it i didn't know you started it mm-hmm. yeah it was um the PS5 upgrade was actually one of the first games I bought on the PS5. Nice. Got you. Yep. That's pretty cool. I just never got around to it. I played, like, the first couple of chapters, and, uh... I mean, it's it's solid fucking Mortal Kombat game. I, the animation's really beautiful, and the... Yes. Oh, shit. Oh, man, it's gross. God it damn, is gross. is it gross. Oh, that's something, like, I know... I should have fucking talked about it, dude. I don't know why I didn't, but the combat... Like, the animations, they're fucking brutal, man. They're so fluid. Like, and they're they're fluid, and then, like, if you get super low health, um, you can do something called a fatal blow. And if you hit this, it essentially goes into this, like, ten-hit combo that, like, just imagine using Kung Lao and using his hat. Like, he throws his hat to where it's spinning in midair, and then he kicks you face-first into it, and it's like, splits your head Hell open. Yeah. <laughs> it's like... It's fucking gnarly, dude. It's amazing. And it's like, it doesn't even necessarily have to equate to a fatality either because you could just be getting pooped on, have the availability to use that fatal blow, and they still be full health. Like, by the time you do it, it takes them down to half health. Like, it does a good bit of damage, and I use it towards, like, the end of their health bar, so the fight's just over. But uh, it's like getting to watch a fatality every single game. It is gnarly, and it's a lot of fun. Doesn't isn't one of Johnny Cage's fucking X-ray moves or whatever? Isn't one of them if you use it on a male care character, it literally just shows their Busts testicles busting? <laughs> yeah. Jesus fucking Christ, dude! Yeah, I swear is to God, as gnarly as it's ever been. Every every time one of these game one of these Mortal Kombat games goes in development, I feel like the devs just like all go out to lunch somewhere like really nice and spectacular, and <laughs> they just sit at the table and everyone's quiet nobody says a word and then somebody pipes up they're like okay how can we make this shit more gross what else can we do to make this nastier that's what i'm saying dude it's like they're gonna have to hire your boy your chainsaw dude to come over here and start giving some ideas man chainsaw man mortal Kombat 12 dlc make it uh, happen. dude i was gonna <laughs> say it's gonna be dlc yeah but how fucking cool would that be though that would sick. be pretty sick. Yeah. I mean, he would fit right along with fucking Mortal Kombat, honestly. Yeah. Put him in. Nah, put him in Smash Bros. You know who wouldn't fit along with uh, Mortal Kombat? Well, I mean, you you probably could. Uh, uh, is it a cute, adorable, squishy little cat? No, it's a cute little turtle in a half shell. Turtle power. Uh, <laughs> Why did you? See, I thought that you knew he was about to talk about Ninja Turtles, and then you said cute and adorable, yeah. and I'm like, hmm? Well, he also said you know what wouldn't fit in. That wouldn't fit in. That's a fucking... 
it's a cat, but then we're going to TMNT, yeah, but which is a goddamn either. fighting game. Uh, it's not really a fighting game. I mean, I guess it is in a weird way, but like... There's a lot more combat in that game. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, fair enough, fair enough. All right, anyway, yeah, I've been playing TMNT or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. This is a sort of uh, spiritual sequel to the old uh, arcade games uh, like um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the arcade game, and Turtles in Time, uh, things like that. And, um, yeah, it was, uh, announced, I think sometime last year. And I immediately was like, hell yeah, this looks right up my fucking alley. And, uh, in truth, I'm not very good at these games. Um, surprisingly enough, I used to love street fighter or not street fighter, but, uh, like shit like Streets of Rage and the old NES and SNES uh, Turtles games. Uh, But I was never very good at them. And, um, yeah, so this was a uh, kind of like, I don't want to say learning experience for me, because that's not entirely true. But this was something that... uh, I just straight up was not, like, expecting to be able to, uh, like, fall in love with, I guess. Um, And, uh, yeah, I'm really loving the hell out of this game. It is straight up a just for real uh, recreation of games that I loved in my youth. Um, like I said, I, I was never very good at these games, but like, I loved playing them and this is a, like everything from like the visual flair to how it feels to play to the, like the music. I I mean, literally everything about these games or, or this game reminds me of those games from the past. I really, really am having an absolute blast with this. It's just a fucking joy to play. Uh, I mean, there's no other way around it. Like everything from like little animations f- uh, for your for your turtles to like I. I I mean, I don't even really know, to be honest with you, like all the, all the good things that I could say about it. Like just everything works for me in this game. Everything feels fresh and fun. And like, I don't know. I'm having a blast with it. Um, I don't know that it'll end up, uh, inside my top five, but I'm, I'm definitely thinking that this is a top 10 game of the year for me. Um, it's good shit, man. It's really good shit. Yeah, everyone has nothing but great things to say. Like Tawny is raving about the game, how yeah. good it is. I think I think it definitely gets extra points for being nostalgic. Like this is I I mean yeah. this is what I grew up with, just just straight up. Um But 
I don't think that it's strictly just a nostalgia play. Uh, I think that there's a little bit more to it than that. I don't know. Good stuff. All right, Austin, tell us about Cats. Yeah. So I played the Stray. Musical. Yeah, the musical. Have either of you guys played it yet? Yes. I have dabble, started Same. to dabble. Oh, okay. I, uh, I need to sit down and finish it. I've heard it's incredibly short. Like, I've heard it's, like, a max of four hours long. Oh, I've, I've heard closer That's to, like, ten. Really? Mm-hmm. I watched, uh, whose review? I watched somebody review it, and they were like, if you're not trying to, like, if, you, like if you've already played through it once and you kind of know where you're going and you're not trying to go anywhere out of, like, any, uh, fuck, why can't I talk? Uh, if you're not trying to go out of your way for anything, um, you can easily just fly through this game in like three in a three hour fucking sitting. Um, but I haven't put anywhere near that much time into it. I probably well, I probably put about an hour. Um, but the hour that I did get to put in uh, was really fucking fun. Um, I really enjoyed it. It you're you're literally just this this small little baby tossed into a a, a, a kind of run-down dystopian world and it's super neat uh, I don't really know where the story is going I've, I've heard from a couple of friends of mine that have finished the game and they said the story is actually really fucking deep once you get towards the end of it um, and I'm, I don't really, like I don't, maybe because I only have an hour in it I don't really see how um, but I'm, I'm excited to figure that out. Also the cat that you play as looks very much like my cat that I can't have live with me that makes me really sad every day, so it was nice. It, it was nice for me to get to sit down and play, even though it just made me miss my fucking cat ten times more. Mm. Well, that's horrible. Yeah, not fun. <clears throat> no, it's a, it's, a, it's a cute game, man. Like, I can, dude, for the sheer fact that every time I pass a carpet, I stop and I make my cat scratch the carpet yeah, every dude, single time. Make it make that. biscuits make it make biscuits if i see a little water puddle i stop and i drink from it every single time if i see a paint can sitting on a window ledge i'm going to knock it off like that is why the game is going to take me probably 20 hours to beat is because i'm just doing cat shit and i'm loving it it's so cute how they just implemented all these like real world things that cats just fucking do yeah i love it i I loved every bit of it man and i do kind of like i've not made it about about like you, I think I've played about an hour of it, and I don't know where the story's going, like you said. But I like the mis- like the mysterious side of it. Like mm-hmm. right now, I'm following the lights and I'm following the signs that someone is directing me through, and I don't know why. But that's kind of creepy and intriguing at the same time. Yeah, I'm really digging that. I like the puzzles and shit that go with it, like knocking a paint can off of a high ledge to break through a root like a window, so I can go through the window. Like that shit was cool. Like it, it's it's made its impact on me so far within an hour of playing, and like you said, I, I I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, first impressions are great, and I have a feeling this is our next spoiler cast episode from how the yeah, tournament's going. I think it's gonna. From the last time I looked at it, that's what it looked like, which is fine. Yeah, I think out of any of those games, I would have rather played Stray and Well. I mean, obviously, the game on the list that I would have fucking wanted to play the most would have been Digimon Survive, but there was no right. chance that shit was making it no. past the first bracket. No. Yeah. 
Uh, well, uh, I think that's everything, right? Or, wait, no. Uh, Dylan, you've got Forza Horizon 5. You've been playing, I assume, the Hot Wheels DLC. Oh. No. you just been... I actually refuse to play that <laughs> shit because I hate Hot oh. Wheels DLC. Okay. Huh? Um, yeah, I'm not... Dude, I hate the Hot Wheels DLC, man. I... I, I'll get into that one day, but it, it's it's neither here nor there with this. I actually I restarted playing Horizon Five from the get go um, because I like I said like Series X. I wanted to see its capabilities. Blah blah blah. Rehashed that already. Restarted playing in this, and it was even more addicting than it was the yep. first time. Um, I. Dude, I don't know how many hours I've sank into this game over the past week, but it is more than when I initially played it. I will tell you that. Um, it is just mindless fun, dude. Like, it does not matter what I am doing in the game. I'm having a blast doing it. It is so much fun to experiment with different cars, um, to just vibe out to a soundtrack, do different races, explore Mexico, find collectibles fucking get crazy skill change or skill chains rather it doesn't matter what i'm doing i'm having a great time um the game is a part of what makes the game so good is just how good it feels in my Mm -hmm. hands like i i always talk this is my biggest thing right like it just feels good it feels like the car is how i set it up to be it feels like the game is polished like everything is it's just great um and like I said, me spending more time with it this time around, I actually got to, I, I completely finished the, I got into the hall of fame. Like I'm finished with the game now. Like I'll consider that like my, one of my games beaten. Like I've already finished a racing game, but this is still on the list of things that I've beaten this year. Um, I did all the showcase events and stuff like that. And each one dude was so much fun and I really, really, really enjoyed those really long races that took you like eight oh, minutes. Oh, like the Goliath through, through. and shit like that? Yeah. Yes. Like the Titan, the Marathon, stuff like that. Those were so much fun, dude. Like, even though they were huge endurance races. Like, I'm serious when I say anywhere from seven to ten minutes for these oh, yeah. races. It was just a blast to get to do them. And then, like, there was one. So you can do these things outside of the game like you know danger signs speed traps and all that stuff there's another one called trailblazing where you can start at a point and you have to make it to the other point in whatever route you deem feasible like however you want to go from point a to point b you can you just need to make it there at under a certain time limit to get one two or three stars uh and then on like one of the final events in one of these like showcase areas it was like the ultimate trailblaze where you're going like 10 plus miles from a start a to a point b and you get to do it however you want to do it as fast as you want to do it It was a it's just that is fun man like it just there was always something new around every corner and like my favorite thing to do was like beating records right like that's something that i love about the game is that it's very interactive with your friends like if you if you've done a dangerous sign you're like distance is going to be posted for how far you jumped. And then it's going to be compared to how I did against Josh or how I did against, you know, like one of my other friends. And it's so cool to just sit there and it's like, 
ah, oh, man, like I, I just did a thousand feet on that danger sign, but I know I can do like 1200. Like, you know, I, like it's, it's that competitive drive that you want to be better than your friends. And it, it's, it's just, just great entertainment value like this i think truly now that i go back and i play it again and i do it from start to finish i have beaten the game like yeah there's still collectibles and stuff i could go back to do but overall the main experience is done Mm -hmm. i can effectively say that this hands down deserved to win last year for our game of the year like there's it's it's just too good man like i have nothing bad to say about the game i love it so much i am right there with you man right there with you yeah did so when you i i had a question i thought we were much higher level when you weren't we and i could be thinking of horizon four do you remember what level you stopped playing at with your drive uh i feel like it was i feel like it was over 100 but i i can't be sure okay that's what i thought or i thought you had to be over 100 when I go back and I I started playing again, I think they redid something because when I looked before I restarted, I was like level like 40 something and you were level 50 to 60 something. So I don't know if they went back and redid their levels a little bit to make it match up with like a bigger picture plan they had going on. But like when I just finished this story mode, like I'm just now at like level 70 something. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. So I don't know but I remember like being higher level in Forza Horizon 4, and I was like, am I thinking of that? Or I feel like you and I talked about you being over 100 in Horizon 5, though, so I was really confused. Yeah, I'm honestly not sure. Uh, the last, like, I remember very distinctly being, like, closing in over, like, level 200 on Forza Horizon 4. Like, if I didn't hit 200, right. I was well on my way. Um you were right yeah. there at it. Uh, this one, I feel like I was over a hundred, but I, I, I mean, I genuinely can't remember. It's been a a pretty hot minute since I've played. It's been a hot minute. I might go back and listen to episode. What it's like fifty, fifty one, forty nine, something like that. I'll go back and listen and see if I can hear what level you were. But yeah, man, it's uh, doesn't matter because I'll be back over level one hundred eventually. Anyway, like I said, I I can't stop playing it. Hot Wheels DLC isn't for me. I just never found interest in it, but I still have tons of collectibles to do, tons of speed traps. You know, I got to beat my friend scores and stuff like that. So the levels will come. I'm addicted to wheel spins and stuff like that. It's just, it's, I, it's still downloaded on my console. It's going to stay there. It's just one of those games that I can always go back and play even for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, good stuff. Good stuff. That's All it. right, let's get to our uh, picks of the week, and and we'll get out of here. <clears throat> um, my pick of the week is a video from a very small creator that I, I found out about through the latest Eyepatch Wolf video. His name is uh, I am LJL, and um, his video's specialty is talking about uh, K-pop. And the reason that I wanted to highlight this was for two reasons. Uh, one, he's a smaller creator. Um, and I just really like helping smaller creators. Um, but two, 
this dude, I, like, I don't know a whole bunch about K-pop or really any sort of Asian pop music. Like, I've dabbled in things here and there, but never, never to the point that, like, I would ever say that I'm any sort of authority on things. And uh, this guy kind of, like, lives and breathes it, and... He is very good at articulating why he loves things and his enthusiasm for Asian pop music because he started doing Japanese uh, pop music recently uh, is very, very infectious. Uh, he has a very strong editing style that I really like and some of, uh, I mean, not all of his humor necessarily lands with me, but like some of it does and I don't know I I really liked this channel and uh, like I said I was brought to him by the Super Eyepatch Wolf video that recently released and um, the thing part, part of the reason that I wanted to support him uh, is because he is one of those people, or at the very least, I gather from both that video and from from the video I've uh, I've watched of his. Uh, he's one of those people that deserves a little bit more than what he has gotten, and YouTube has just kind of fucked him over. And I would really like to see him succeed. So, if you get a chance, uh, go check the video out uh, I linked it in it's called The Beautifully Tragic Story of Yosobi Racing Into the Night and uh, yeah it's good shit man it's really good shit Austin hell yeah um, <clears throat> yeah my pick of the week is a uh, uh, he's a rapper that I just happened to find just like uh, shuffling dirt music working the other day and from what I can gather he pretty much just like makes raps about anime characters and it's pretty sick is it like most of the people i see do this it like to me it just comes off as really cringy and this is one of the few that i found that i'm like oh shit like i like i bump this shit every fucking day for like the last week shit's really cool hell yeah all right uh, uh yeah go ahead yeah oh the Mine. yeah super cool. simple yep um, mine is the documentary that I was talking about earlier, Eddie Strongman. I think it gives a good look into what these guys go through, for, and they're very underrated athletes. Um, it's it's a wild ride, man. Like everything from the diet to the things they put their body through, I think it's something that a lot of people might find interesting. Um, stuff that I'm trying to do now, it's it means a lot to me. So I'll give it a look. It's on Netflix. Hell yeah! Fuck you. Yeah. All right. Well. Uh, as always, you can find us on social media for all things Culture Bop, Hunting Pixels, and the Culture Bop family of content. Culture Bop is available on tw uh, Instagram at Culture underscore Bop, on YouTube at Culture Bop. I am available on Twitter at TheBebopMan182, on Instagram at BebopMan182, and on Twitch at The underscore BebopMan. You can find Dylan on Twitter at OMDCTV, on Instagram at OMDC, on Twitch at OMDC. And on YouTube at OM Dizzy. Finally, we have the Big Papa, 
You can find Austin on Twitter at Big Papa Plays, on Instagram at Big Papa Plays, on Twitch at Big Papa Plays, and finally on TikTok at Big Papa Plays. If you have enjoyed this episode or any of the other things that we have been putting out as Culture Bop, then go to patreon.com slash culturebop and consider tossing us a pledge. Uh, we're offering some very cool perks, and once we start hitting our goals, even more content will be on its way. <sighs> well, we did it, fellas. We, we made it through the episode. Somehow. Uh, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. All right. Well, let's get out of here. So that is the end of our episode. Until next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.